Guess what? What? It's fine. I, bu- I, booked, I booked my flight home with Flybe. I forgot it wasn't Ryanair. Oh, so <laughs> I was searching my emails frantically for Ryanair clone, Ryanair clone. I was like, where is it? Nah, I booked with Flybe. It's all good. Oh, good what? work. From Cologne as well? <laughs> no, this one's uh, Dusseldorf coming up. So I'm gonna spend- I completely forgot. I'm going to spend the day in Dusseldorf. Imagine that. I just turned up in Cologne. Like, where's my Ryanair flight? That would be a very me thing to do. Hopefully you won't have JP to go with Cologne with you this year, though. No, sorry, Dusseldorf with you this year. What was that? Dusseldorf? Well, do you remember you had to go to Dusseldorf with Benno in the morning to get your passport? Your replacement oh, passport. Oh, yes. You were going to... Um, it wasn't Dusseldorf you were going to, was it? It was um, Dortmund. Dortmund. So you had to go Dusseldorf. Dortmund. I had to go to Dusseldorf Dortmund to go, go into a ah, building, picking right. up. Yeah. Get the get the thing that you'll never see again. Oh, I can't believe you didn't let me take a picture no, of that. No, absolutely not. The passport photo that was awful that I had to take in this like <laughs> rim Airbnb the night before. Yeah, that, that was the greatest picture I've ever seen of anyone ever. Oh, and when I tried, I kept trying to steal it out of his shot. pocket, and like on the plane, he was sat in front of me and fell asleep. And I tried to steal it out of his <laughs> pocket. Where, where did you take it at the police station or in our no, Airbnb? no, no? I took it in the Airbnb after I'd gone mm. traipsing around that part of town trying to find it. It's- this being after you lost all your bags, P.S., the podcast has started. Yep. All right, we've started now. As, uh, there we go. Yeah. Still, not, I've, I'm not as angry about it as I should do, apart from those occasions I go, oh, do you know what? Where's that Matt Riddle, Where's that Matt Riddle Budweiser T-shirt? That's gone. <laughs> Shibata one's gone. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu hoodie gone. Oh, your Mark. Well, exactly. I'm not after Marks, these. I'm after Money Marks. That's what, right, that's, okay. that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm on. You know all about your money marks, don't you? <laughs> the good ones. Yeah. What would you say is is more dodgy based on your experience now, Oberhausen or Blackpool? Blackpool. <laughs> There's Blackpool. Oh, that's that. That seafront. There's no way I'll come across as anything other than a condescending southerner talking about it. But, oh, I want to hear it. Go on then. Oh, mate, it's it's shocking. It's Baltimore. Just, it, was, it was like Hamsterdam. <laughs> it really in the wire without the people. I might. <laughs> you offered drugs. No, there wasn't that. More's more's the pity. So if anyone hasn't seen the wire, this is season three where they clear out an entire area and make it the the drug not the drug free zone, like the opposite of a drug free zone where mm. everything goes. That is your description of Blackpool. Well, it's it's not like there's none of that going on. 
but a lot of the houses and the sort of shop fronts bit looks like it should be there. You oh, said it looked like Angel Heart, didn't you? You said that. Did I say that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Coney Don't Island. Put it on Joe. I, I think I said Co- Coney like, Island's a good one. Yeah, it's the British Coney Island. Coney Island's much better. Though. Coney Island's a much cooler place than uh, Blackpool is. That's what it I, needs I said, enormous regeneration, and God knows we'll how you do it. Well, a PCW show is not going to do enough for the regeneration. I mean, that's that's part of the situation. I've got a the big thing for me was like, and I said it here at the weekend was wondering what the likes of Tom Lawler and the other American stars kind of <laughs> this, of this area. Like, it, they must have been scratching their heads. Well, we got talking to them in the in the Costa Coffee. I like Joe, oh, right, Joe okay. take on part part of that story. I was talking to I think it was Franco Varga, who we'd said all weekend sounds like a midfielder that Newcastle would sign. <laughs> like just the name in general. Yeah, how much? What fifteen million sounds about right. Um, but anyway, well, I asked him. It's not often he takes his hands out of his. Pocket, I was going to say so. fifteen million is yeah, well over the top, yeah. and he just broken it. There we go. Yeah. Newcastle transfer talk. Um, where was <laughs> I, I? Heard about your cost of running on. I was listening yes. to Figure Four Daily with Tom Lawler. And he was talking about how he'd met some fans of his podcast in Costa Coffee, and they, they recommended that he could he should go to the uh, the M&S Cafe. And straight away, I was like, yep, that's Joe and JP. Uh, I didn't actually recommend he went to the cafe. He was be- Oh. No, no, no. He was behind me in Costa, and he was looking at the sandwiches. And I've had a few of their sandwiches before, and they're shit. Uh, <laughs> and I recommended the Emmentaler Mushroom, which is the best of the poor range of Costa sandwiches that I had. It's a toasty. And he, he wasn't too up for that one. And then I said, you know what? I've just been to M&S over the road, mate. Got a cracking food section in there. Bit posh, but it's a big old food all in there. And he was uh, sort of like, okay, interesting. And apparently he went there and he mistook what I said for going to the cafe in M&S, where it sounded like he had a really good time having some, was it, eggs on toast and salmon. salmon. So I've had that before. It's quite nice. In he was at Spencer's Cafe. Yeah, in Oxford. You posh southerner. <laughs> Am I a geezer? Am I posh? Where does this go? Like you're a champagne geezer. Champagne? I really am not. You've hey, both seen my flat. I really am not. <laughs> to be fair, mate, you, 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 you stay the night in the Blackpool Murder Hotel, and I didn't hear any complaint from either of you. It wasn't as bad as what we we were kind of, that review said that we were talking about on our last show. Oh. For 15 quid, it was all right. I didn't, I didn't wake up with any nits. There was no shit on the walls in my room. There was a, a Hindu in the room next to me, though. We were just making noise till about eight in the morning. But <laughs> it's Blackpool. It's one of those old buildings where you can literally hear. Every time somebody walks up the stairs, you can hear it. Um, it was kind of what we paid for, wasn't it? And um, we all survived the night. No one got murdered. 15 quid. 15 quid. At, uh, you know, if you stayed there for more than one night, and if, in my case, certainly, the time you returned, you were pretty much ready to just black out there. And then it did its job. A couple of mm. points I noticed from our room. There's a couple of fattest pigeons I've really ever seen. <laughs> like like a beast. Which I didn't know that was a thing. And maybe it is. Think of the scraps you get in Blackboard. some chippies. Yeah. Deep fried scraps, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Whereas in Oxford, you know, you know, you're getting scraps from... M&S Cafe. And Michelin star restaurants. Yeah. Even, wow. So, you know, it's the way we roll down here. And our pigeons. Uh, slimmer and in better shape. <laughs> you say that, but me and Gareth of Grapple Up fame stayed with JP, and for breakfast we went to Greg's and we had some vegan sausage rolls. Yeah. So, you know, it's not all classy down south. We still <laughs> had a good time. Big fan of them. What? what did you make of the, the beer in Blackpool, Joe? I'm, I'm interested if uh, 
if the uh, if the the selections that we had uh, would would maybe tempt you to bring Joe's beer corner out of retirement. You know, <laughs> um, you know what. Joe's Beer Corner would be well suited to that one brew pub we went to, whatever it was called. But uh, Joe's Beer Corner, if it didn't find that place, is best off staying retired because uh, <laughs> oh. the selection offer in Blackpool would have besmirched the good name of Joe's Beer Corner. It's a lot of Carling, getting. Ah, oh, just... Uh, what, what, do you want one of Carling, San Miguel, which is all right, Foster's, Amstel... Cronenberg, um, Carlsberg, Stella. Stella. I've never understood why pubs have like seven or eight lagers on tap. Like mm. the, the way that British pubs work was just like lager, 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 lager. Here's some real ales. Like, can you just have a wider, more diverse, more varied selection of beers? There's no like understanding of what beer is from so many people in this country. Yes, I sound like a southern snob. Once again, there's a theme going on this podcast, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> the piss water. Like, I do a pub quiz on a Thursday, and you know we do pretty well at it. And there's, I have to, I end up Guinness every week, which I'm fine with. But the piss water on every other pump, they've got eight lagers on tap. Eight? <laughs> Why do you need eight fucking lagers on tap? So, oh, here's the Peroni, which is the posh choice. It's not even <laughs> good. Oh, <laughs> winds me up. You, you sound almost as wound up. Uh, and, I, and I will defend, you know, the, the northern beer selection, Manchester, Liverpool, great pubs, great beer. But you almost seem as wound up as JP was when we took him to that Irish bar. And it was literally oh. playing, like, 90s pop I think they had Guinness on draft. That was about the only Irish thing about it. And they had just as shocking a beer selection. Although it was better than the karaoke bar we went to with the Ogdens before it. I was going to say, it, it was it was a step up from there. And that's really saying something. Because where we were before, it was... it was. Do you know what I was thinking it was like? And this is going to be a weird film reference. It's like, it's like Blue Velvet. A lot of sort of the places we ended up going to. <laughs> It really did. It felt like being inside a sort of Lynchian nightmare where these people were like doing karaoke to zombie, which the last thing I knew was about um, was was it was about the trouble by the cranberries about the troubles in Northern Ireland, I think. And maybe I'm wrong. They seem about the 1993 bombing in Oma. No, it was in London. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't know any of this. Genuinely, I was ignorant to it. I just thought I, it was a catchy song. I, I, honestly, I think the people there might thought it, it was about zombies or about the <laughs> dead. They were they were well into it, all of them <laughs> to a person. It's like oh, I'm doing it a complete you felt disservice. Really offended, didn't you? At the time, I was quite surprised by it. And then we went to the Irish pub, which just felt like it was trolling the Irish <laughs> as much as anything else. As an I've Irish. never seen you so angry. I think I took photos of you after fine, I'm sure I took photos they, of you. They had like little mini statue of a red of like a of a, of a London phone booth in there. <laughs> were you in like there an are. Irish nightmare where your inner Irishman was just constantly being trolled mm. throughout the evening? Because during Zombies yeah. and the big sing-along that they were having during that, you were sort of saying to me, I'm offended by this. Like, you seemed quite <laughs> outraged. And I did. Can I just make a confession? Since hearing that song, I've been listening to that song all week. <laughs> oh, yeah. And me and my girlfriend were singing in the car the other day as well. <laughs> and she was putting on her Irish accent. Yeah. And then it was on John Oliver's This Week Tonight as well. Did you oh, see it? It was. Yeah, I did yeah, see that. Yeah. 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 yeah I was like, that's a nice reminder of last week. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Something good came out of last weekend. Oh, no, it was. It's. I, I just wish, uh, let's just hope for some sort of government gets together and gets out of this national hell that we're in and decides to regenerate the place, if not mm. for the for as the good of them. Blackpool. As in Blackpool. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to help giving, giving all the money to Flutter to book uh, import wrestlers and <laughs> get a free venue out of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that seems to be the plan, and I'm, I'm not 100% on, uh, on how well that's going to work. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it sort of bringing it back to its former glories. Um, I'm I kind of au fait with it. I didn't see many posters or anything for mm. the wrestling being on as well. You'd have thought there'd be a load of that sort of stuff around the place mm. to get people in. But um, yeah, yeah, Blackpool is a has seen better days, and it's oh. just it's one of those. That I think we were talking about it. It's like it's 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 never going to die but it's constantly going to be in a state of dying that's just what blackpool is at this point um they've got more shows that they've announced for blackpool tower yeah i, d- I don't know whether i'm going to be going back but yeah we'll uh we'll talk a bit more about uh PSU yeah shows it's later quintessential on. brexit town is blackpool yeah. i think was it 72 yeah. percent leave 67 percent leave and like when you hear people say oh, i want my country back and you want to say to them, it's never coming back that's not a reason <laughs> to vote leave you look at Blackpool and you sort of think, yeah. That's how it happens, isn't yeah. it? You ignore a place and you allow yeah. it to kind of go yeah. into a serious state of disrepair. There you go, a bit of socio-political uh, outlook from a couple of southern softies. <laughs> like it. Very <laughs> Oh, don't. We, we can't go down <laughs> that path. going on Brexit. I'm no. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. What what have you been up to then in the week since? I've been struggling to uh, to get myself back into like a normal routine. I've been two mm. two big nights out in a row like that are, are too much for me at this point. I've only just feeling human at this point. I spent a lot of the weekend watching those ROH New Japan shows. I don't know if you've seen any of those or uh, you've been up to too much yourselves. Yeah, I started watching uh, the. I think I started watching the first one today actually, which mm. was pretty good. I got to say. Um, not not watch the whole show. I've sort of skipped through it. There's lots of Ring of Honor talent that I couldn't give two shits about. Um, but I watched uh, the really Mar- pushing TKO Ryan on the opening video package. I did watch the opening yeah. video package. I skipped right. right to the first match, mate, and I skipped the entrances as well. Time is of the essence these days. I've not got a lot of it, so I've got to, to maximise time over most of this. So I didn't need to see Ren Narita walk into the ring. I've seen he Mar- runs. Marty Scales entrance a million times, so I went straight to the match. Okay. So yeah, sorry about that. That's right. Do you want to tell us about the opening package? Um, no, not really that much. Other than they they had like talking about the Ring of Honor talent, and they did mention one of your favourites, TKO Ryan. That was the notable. Thing I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think New Japan do either. He's one of the dudes who in the advertising. It was just a, a silhouette, wasn't it? They didn't even have a photo for him. Yeah. Like JP could step in the ring and I'd be like, oh, there's JP in the ring, TKO Ryan. I find out he's secretly a fucking wrestler. So I, don't know what <laughs> I reckon that would be JP's name if he became a wrestler. I reckon TKO Ryan. It's a good, very, very Irish sounding name. <laughs> oh, no. Or like TKO. <laughs> Have you ever heard you say to TK Cooper before? <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the podcast. Um, <laughs> JP, what did you make of? Um, you, you saw the the Gresham uh, tag with uh, with yes. Liger, uh, against Taiji Shimori and Robbie Eagles. I saw that as well this morning. He looked good, didn't he? Uh, oh, it was kind of it was a good showcase for kind of his stuff. He, he seemed to to get himself over in front of that crowd. Oh, absolutely! The way they booked that match was was brilliant 
But they kind of knew exactly what they had to do, which was try and get over Gresham and Eagles, whilst at the same time building heat for the Liger-Ishimori match and making it look a bit more credible. And they absolutely nailed it, particularly like it was just like the Gresham show. Mm. In what was, you know, one of the, out of any other context, one of the sort of standard tags, multi-mans that they run in the build-up to the bigger shows. But it was a hell of an advertisement for Gresham and the Super Juniors, mm. which seemed to be the direction that they're going in. And yeah, absolutely brilliant. He had, he got himself over with it, with just some great, I mean, great technical work, very world of sport. Mm. It wasn't it. Um, and him and the Eagles sort of gelled really well together. And then they had a perfect finale when Ishimori came in and Liger quickly pinned him. And it yeah. just seemed to pop the crowd. It was like a really well-booked match. Achieved I'll, everything it had to do. I like a match like that where it kind of fucks with your expectations of what a typical match structure is going to be. Mm. It, it, it got Gresham over, which was the point of it there. And then Lager got, came in and got a flash pin. Uh, I love that stuff. Like that, yeah, I like that it was different. And yeah, I think it, it definitely, like you say, did a good job of getting him over. Um, but yeah, I love that match. I love the... I think on a similar note, I love Zack Sabre and Shota Amino. Because oh. it was like... A match that should have just been a Zack Sabre squash. And he didn't do so much that he looked stupid against the Amino. It was kind of like he gave him some offense, but it was more the fact that he was getting in his head and he was making Zack Sabre kind of change the way he wrestles. And he was, you know, there was a couple of times where he got a couple of counters that maybe he shouldn't have got or where you could tell Zack was getting frustrated. He still won pretty decisively, but for me, that is the way you do a match like that with a young boy where, again, you're not giving them so much that you look stupid, but you're giving them moments like that where it just, it puts them over without putting them over. I really enjoyed that as well as the, the scale match that, uh, that Joe mentioned. We were talking about this when, when Joe came round and it was, I, I was saying, it's, was it one of the best Young Lion matches that I've ever seen? You'd know. It, well, I think so it's up there. This is what I said earlier as yeah. well. Long, young Lion correspondent <laughs> slacked a bit recently, haven't you? So... I have. They've got a new bloke at ringside, very big lad with a moustache. I'm not quite sure who, what his name is, so I am slacking on that front. Yeah, I've Castle? Well, I feel like I'm back <laughs> on it with this one today. It was, I don't know, for this one, it was it was brilliant at getting Umino over in the ways that it should have done in terms of like his fighting spirit for not submitting, his general ring awareness for knowing how to get to the ropes to break out the holds without it being silly that he's managing to kind of untangle Zach, but sort of just being aware of what's there. And that kept the crowd involved. And then when he did have the bits of the moments of fire, when he goes up to the top and he does the, the uh, missile drop kick, I mean, he's, he's just, he is class. And we go, and it felt like we're setting him up for going away and, you know, be great to see him in Rev Pro. I suspect I could see him sort of doing ring, ring of honor. And he's bulked up like a heavyweight, which is quite rare for the young lions. I think the uh, Renderita Marty match was really strong as well. Mm. Um, I think <clears throat> these sort of matches, in terms of a formula, it's a formula that almost always works. A guy's a bit of an experienced hand against a young guy. Young guy gains some experience. Young guy can kind of go a little bit. Works with the more experienced guy in the match. More experienced guy gives them a few hope spots here and there as well, makes them look good, gives them just enough offense to get over and make it look like they've got a minor chance as well. It's always a formula that's going to work for me. It's always a formula that I've really liked. It reminds me of sort of 
um, early 90s WCW booking mm. where you might have like a Ric Flair against a Brian Pillman or something. Mm. I know it's a slightly different situation. Mm. Match structure and the formula sort of reminds me of that sort of sort of style of match, if anything, mm. where you throw in those spots to give them a little bit of hope. But in the end of the day, the older, more experienced, established guy ends up going over. But I think Amino and Narita have both come out of this weekend on these Ring of Honor shows looking even better than they did before mm. and having a really great match to kind of try and cement themselves before they go off an excursion. So really great job. And also really good to see Marty Skrull making a real effort in a singles <laughs> match because it's been a while since I've actually watched a singles yeah. match of his and I was like, ah, oh, forget how good he is. <laughs> yeah, he's not a, not Bullet Club Marty anymore. He's Villain Club Marty. I think that's the... Uh, mm. He's kind of on an island, isn't he, in New Japan? But yeah, you kind of... We don't see a lot of that, that Marty anymore, so maybe he's going to have to make an effort on his own. Um, but yeah, not, not a huge amount of the notable from those shows. Is that I, I enjoyed the Osprey stuff over the weekends and uh, beating Jeff Cobb quite cleanly and then beating uh, also the, the Goto match as well. Uh Couple of strong matches. Osprey clearly being established as a as a proper heavyweight, especially you know the fact that he's obviously there's a lot of assistance there with, with Cobb getting himself up for the Stormbreaker in some ways, but still impressive seeing Osprey actually hit it on a man of that size and clearly being booked to be uh, strong going forward. He's going to be a a big factor uh, in New Japan this year, especially with them losing so many Westerners. Oh right, I didn't know that had happened. Yeah. Oh wow, because I watched I watched the Osprey Dalton Castle match the day before. I don't like Dalton Castle. So I don't get him, and I've said that on here before. Uh, yes. But I thought that was the, the most I've ever enjoyed a Dalton Castle match. Was that Osprey match? I thought Osprey was dragging him through the match. Oh. Castle me- looks like a like a zombie, doesn't he? Speaking yeah. of Blackpool and zo- he looks like a <laughs> just like he, he just wants to be anywhere else at this point. I don't know whether it's the back problems or what. Or there was rumor of there being NXT interest, but he couldn't look more like he wants to get out. I feel kind of bad for him because he's looking really out of shape. He's not looking at himself. He's injured. And yeah, it's the, it's the injury, isn't it, that's led to it. And I feel bad for the guy. Um, from a pure match perspective, Osprey did an absolutely amazing job of getting, I would say, like a four-star match out of him mm. in that match. Like, it was dragging him through at different points. Bumping all over the place for him as well to give Dalton Castle a bit of hope in there as well. Just a stellar Will Ospreay performance, but I didn't realise that Jeff Cobb match had happened, so I'll get on that uh, when I get home tonight, I think. But it, was it better than the Castle match? Oh, no, see, I missed what you were saying. This was a, It was a tag. It was it was, ah. him, it was it was another match with Castle. It was Castle and Cobb against uh, Ospreay and Goto, it was. It was like a tag version of the matches yesterday, but no, Ospreay just went over particularly clean against Jeff Cobb. I just thought it was interesting from like, ah. a point of view. Yeah, it is for that one. I mean, it says about really where the Ring of Honor TV title sits within the thing sits within this and I mean that's going to be another theme of the show is the sort of mm. political machinations that go on once title holders start meet, meeting each other but it's interesting that they would they would do that because on a Ring of Honor show as well on a Ring of Honor show and especially when you've got Dalton Castle there who can eat the pin perhaps mm. they they gave him that though because Cobby be uh, go over day before Possibly, yeah. that was part of the agreement. Who knows? Yeah, it really depends on how long that Will Osprey holds on to this never title as well. Well, I'm thinking about using Osprey quite a bit more this year as yeah. well. So it's, a, yeah. well, I suppose, it's a way to get Osprey over maybe as a main eventer to the Ring of Honor audience because they had him before and they completely mm. misused. He should him, already right? be a main eventer to them, though, shouldn't he? Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. He should walk into Ring of Honor and be the top guy. That that's the at this mm. point. Like, who else is better to be the top guy in Ring of Honor? It's not Jay Lethal. 
and i'll be <laughs> honest i didn't watch any of the jay lethal stuff from this weekend so if it was amazing and people were loving it then great for you but yeah that, that's how motivated i am to watch jay lethal i think i saw a stat that jay lethal's had 39 ring of honor title defenses i think mark Bohuldy put that on twitter like I, I can't remember what i can oh actually i can remember the gresham match i can't remember any others that hour Roderick Strong match. I never watched ah, it. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, that. <laughs> I know it went an hour, and it was yeah. like uh, Jay Lethal an hour. I struggled with Jay Lethal in ten minute matches, let alone an hour. Just... But, but imagine that Jay Lethal. They think of all like the classic Ring of Honor champions. Jay Lethal's have that many title defenses. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Samoa Joe's twenty one months, is it? It's definitely not. No, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, other stuff as well. Maybe have you been paying attention to the WWE stuff with the? Uh, the releases that have been happening i was saying on twitter it feels like yeah. you, know when you, play, you know when you play uh, ewr and you go any company other than wwe and whoever's made the mod that you're playing has always put too many wrestlers in wwe so in day two you get like 167 emails and it's all wwe wwe have released wwe have released that's what it felt like yesterday like just constant stream of tjp kenta perfect 10 man uh, Arn Anderson, it was just never-ending, wasn't it? Interesting to see them doing it. And, uh, be in- don't know if you're, you're interested in seeing any of those guys on the indies. Maybe maybe Arn Anderson's the most uh, interested. <laughs> That's what before. I was going to say. <laughs> get double A in. Get, get, I don't know. Get, get him an impact, make him the yeah. top guy. Nah, get him as in as the AEW general manager. <laughs> the enforcer. He can deliver, still deliver a spine buster. I saw a clip of him when he did it to Dolph Ziggler before. It was awesome. Was that Starcade? Starcade last, last year. You, you know what really makes me laugh though? You know when he, someone like Arn gets released, and I've literally seen people going, "Ah, oh, can't believe it! Can't believe they get rid of Arn." You know what a legend, what a great road agent. And you're like, "How do we possibly know?" Like we we could, I couldn't tell you whether Arn Anderson is is putting together the great WWE matches backstage or if he's responsible for all the shite that we see. Like, how can you? I hate that. It's like we, none of us know. Like whether it's a, a great loss to WWE. Or not? Uh, you would have thought he'd be someone with a job for life, but and apparently, I think I think I saw Robert or someone saying that he was he was John Cena's go-to man for putting his matches together. So yeah, you can think what you want about that, but yeah, I think other than, other than yeah, getting him to see getting to see him do maybe could spinebuster Cody on the uh, on the AEW show. Uh, I don't know uh, whichever uh, travesty that is. Well, let, let's think about it this way: when you've got a great road agent backstage, like Jeff Jarrett. Why can't Anderson? <laughs> NXT UK is Jeff Jarrett. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm sure Pete Dunne's going to greatly benefit from Jeff. Think of the think of the improvement in the standard of punches in British wrestling once Jeff starts teaching these boys how to punch. Oh, I think oh, once and how to sing. <laughs> and I think at times we 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 have complained about some of the main events of Progress sort of turning into uh, TNA matches at times being slight being a bit overbooked you got the man there himself to be able to sort of impart you know have a king of the mountain match I don't know. <laughs> it was just brilliant yesterday like uh, martin bushby sent sent us a picture didn't he of jeff yes. and i was literally me luncheon work trying to find him because he was in the albert dock in liverpool um, <laughs> taking photos i went on his instagram stories just to stalk him a bit and he was taking photos at the uh, the beatles story exhibit in liverpool I was like, i've got to find jeff 
apparently had a great time and then yeah he turned up at NXT UK in the night it's just that's Jeff Jarrett for you isn't it like uh, like I say he probably like, like he, he probably left Liverpool like part owner of Everton and Liverpool with a with a stake in in the uh, in the Beatles as my as my big crew he said <laughs> he probably got, he's probably going to be uh, taking royalties from the from that White Album somehow because it's Jeff Jarrett that's what he does he lands on his feet he gets all the good jobs and he walks away with contracts it's uh, what a man he just seems to be able to at the minute end up being here most weekends doing something related to wrestling and he's getting paid for it and it's legends. Make, make him the gm on, on nxt uk oh yeah like <laughs> honestly yeah yeah he would it's not very nxt uk and at that point the brands just be really like well why bother other than it's predominantly filmed in the uk mm. but yeah, have him as general man. It really uh, above Johnny Saint, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Have Jeff you seen any Johnny Saint? Do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, what about a joint managership? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like Flair and Vince when they brought the NWO into it. When Roy Evans, Gerard Julio. Yeah, that's, they know. Well, get him, get him in a Tranmere Rovers as the manager. He's been there enough, and I, that's why he was probably over. Tranmere were at home today. Beating oh, up. good shout. Beat Notts County 1-0. I'm sure Jeff was there cheering him on. Good luck, Charles. <laughs> Jennings of a 69th-minute goal. Oh, amazing. The two of ambitions back. reignited. Jeff's going to be there at Wembley when they reach the playoffs, hopefully. <laughs> Lead him out, maybe. <laughs> oh. There you go. To, to do his big fight with Jimmy Bullard. Brit Res legend. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Get that on at uh, Carrow Road. Yeah. <laughs> If you're going with the whole sort of football thing, you might as well just go in with that as well. Definitely. I reckon you should probably do like a Ricky Knight and Nick Frost tag match as well against the UK <laughs> hooligans or something. Oh, you know Ricky Knight has been on the phone. Like, he definitely wants to do some kind of movie tie-in. And did they probably told him to fuck off? But fingers crossed. I'd love that. I'd like to think Nick Frost is well up for it. Maybe Simon Pegg can come along as their manager, possibly. <laughs> 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 I did. I did want to sort of. And it's going to sound strange, but in terms of the the, the serious releases from WWE, mm. I mean, it, it does seem. And then you add on to it that all of the various sort of nonsense rumours and mm. and whatnot. I mean, what value? I mean, where they're going to be? It sounds like Dylan oh, just going away. AEW. Oh, fuck that! Like, if I'm AEW, I don't want to appear yeah. to be like, be like you know, when TNA snap up Damien Sandow and he looks like the most depressed man in the world coming out every. I know it wouldn't be like that, but at the same time, like that was the classic TNA thing, wasn't it? It's like the whole yeah. like, the meme was like what's and then a, a TNA version of the WWE guy doing in the Impact Zone, you know what. What what's the perfect twelve Ty Dollinger doing in the AEW zone? It's like <laughs> you don't want that stink, do you? Like maybe maybe he's an exception because he's so over with that. I could imagine the elite kind of crowd to be into all the ten stuff. I mean, there's got to be exceptions, hasn't there? But you don't. Hopefully, and it doesn't feel like it. AEW are that kind of promotion that are gonna just snap up anybody WWE releases. It's got to be like the the guys who can offer them something. Like I think that they've said in interviews, you like to have an Ambrose or. I suppose Ty Dillinger, if they see something in him. Oh, he's Cody's mate, though, isn't he? From yeah, that, there is that. Uh, there is that tie. Uh, maybe it's as a as a road agent, possibly. Mm. Perhaps mm. him and Arnold going as uh, the uh, top road agents in <laughs> a yeah. along with Billy Gunn. Yeah, along with Billy Gunn as well. Yeah, that's a hell Hall of Famer, Billy Gunn. Hall of Famer, yeah. BJ Whitmer as well. He's oh, there. Not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my favourite cage match of all time, though. And I hate cage matches, but I love them with him and Jimmy Jacobs. 
Yeah, I've they got some get... AEW scoops later on. Oh. Big pal. Oh yeah, you, you uh, made yeah. some friends, didn't you, over the weekend? I'm keeping you? them for later on. Talk about oh, okay. Rev Pro. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll bring them up later. Uh, oh, on the WWE stuff, I did want to mention. Have you, have you seen these, the spoilers from NXT UK today? The uh, spoilers for anyone listening, by the way. Skip ahead a few minutes, but uh, apparently they're doing Walter Dunn at our uh, NXT takeover. <laughs> Credit to mm. Will Cooling for calling that it being on a proper takeover and not on UK because they're not doing a UK one. And they also apparently uh, got trans got Chris, uh, sorry Cassius Ono and Noam Dar transferred over. Ilya made his debut. Shock horror! Didn't see that one coming when he pulled from Future Shock tonight. Uh, yeah, interesting that uh, they're making some moves over there. Yeah, there's some really interesting manoeuvres with this. I mean, I think we none of us are surprised that they're going to be having Walter done on a proper takeover. And I can see mm. the upside and downside of it. We would it kills talk- the rest of the card, doesn't it? At least they've got that to aim for, but nothing yes. else happening on the TV, as it has been for the last couple of months, really, has much importance when you haven't got a takeover to aim for. But it's good for that match from those guys. That's it. But the part of me thinks from a tele- from a sort of getting eyes on NXT UK again, for whatever that's worth for people seeing on the WWE Network, it's going to be an amazing match. Could and, be the match of the weekend, that one. And it appears to be they're going to be stacking that card to be like, in terms of the hardcore work rate fans, that that'll probably be the card that will, will, will sort of hijack the weekend. That's really what they're kind of aiming for. And it works on that way. However, I don't think in terms of what their commitment to NXT UK suggests is that they're not going to run that at, say, and we were talking about this earlier, um, at a Wembley Arena, where you could get a really good crowd for that. It's all built properly as, you know, biggest match in in British history. Um, But they're not going to be doing that. And so does it feel like the UK part of it is somewhat incidental? Yeah, and it... It always will be. Yeah. <laughs> As I've said a million times. Then why have it? I suppose. Then it's, yeah. Well, to have a monopoly in this country mm. when mm. there's a threat of other people taking hold in the country, which <clears throat> can't possibly happen because the WWE own wrestling, mm. which is why Vince McMahon is having feathers right now over the AEW stuff while we are rejoicing, you in particular, with your new best fucking friend, <laughs> um, which we'll get onto in a bit, I suppose. But yeah, it's never. It's always going to be like that. The fact that there's no takeover on the cards or has been announced to me says it all. That's the prime representation of what this company is. And you know, look at Progress. Progress have said already, and they have done it. They've changed dates for this company and when they want to run. So it feels like the guys who are running this, with some of the Progress guys, aren't actually having a say really over the dates. Someone else is having a say over the dates mm. and to fit in with that pattern if anything because they're flying so many people in to work backstage on these shows and to work on the card on these shows and uh let's be honest they're 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 i can't speak they're, they're running a remote organization but they're not running it remotely because Triple H and all the rest of the road agents seem to have to come over for this because the other guys can't be trusted to run a WWE product without them there, which then makes it harder to run as a result and makes it more difficult in terms of dates, in terms of what happens to talent as well. And it's just, 
yeah, it's not something I've got any interest in, and it's not something I've watched anything of since the uh, Blackpool Takeover show, and something that I've got no time or interest in. And hearing about what some of the talent are thinking of it as well, loads of the talent who have signed these contracts seem to be regretting signing them, if anything. No, they're not really going to get anywhere, and no, they're not really in WWE at this point as well, so whatever. Yeah, Pete Dunne and uh, Wolfgang not float your boat, no, Joe, no? You weren't, uh, you weren't tempted by that? Wolfgang. <laughs> do we have to speak about Wolfgang again? I, I don't think we do. Everything in terms of what happened on the first night of tapings, in particular, seemed incredibly missable. From what it seems like, the ones tonight have got a bit more to them, and mm. there's a lot more. Ilya turning up is is interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Ilya so half, half depressing as well, but interesting. Yeah, it is, and completely, obviously, unsurprising. But having Ilya there, having Viper there, that's that's interesting. Mm. You know, having the Walter Dunn announcement. Is it? Huh? Is it? Is it that interesting? Well, <laughs> I mean, why it's interesting? What? Why Viper being there being yeah, interesting? Yeah, Why is it? Why is it interesting? Because I, I it livens it up. What are they actually going to do with them? Because <laughs> I can't. I don't get how it's interesting. Well, as in, it's more interesting than what they've already had. Having Ilya in a mid-card rather than Dave Mastiff. Yeah, I'll yeah, go with that every day of the week. He's uh, not like nameless bearded like, dude, is he? Like the, the, the 50 of them that they've got. How are they uh, presenting Ilya? What are they going to do? Are they going to completely ruin him from the get-go? Or are they going to ruin him in three months' time? Uh, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get the same silent crowds who are dead for most of a taping, clapping yeah. politely occasionally because they feel like they have to, doing a, a like, this is awesome chant. Probably on cue shouting, you deserve it, if someone wins some meaningless belt as well. And we'll probably also get them in a convention centre in the middle of who knows where, because it's completely unidentifiable at some point. But it Mm. saves money, and ultimately this brand is being run on the cheap to have a place in a country. So it's placeholder wrestling, Mm. if anything. And I can't see that anyone they add to this place, add to this roster, really is going to be that exciting yeah walter's there he's exciting i can't see oh no no what chris hero i love he's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite wrestlers ever but chris hero at this stage has not been pushed at a level where i think his matches now are able to get to that next level because of a level of his push because he's never treated as anything that's legit and if he is treated as something legit in nxt uk to me, it represents exactly what they think about NXT UK, which is bargain basement, cost-cutting content. wrestling that creates content for a network with endless hours of content. So you may be excited. I'm not. Honestly, you kind of excited. Been... I know where you got that word from. I said interested. <laughs> you, say, you say kind of like it's the opposite of a call-up, isn't it, for here for, for Ono and for... Noam Daru, I couldn't be less interested in. It's like a call down to NXT UK. I know they're, they're trying to further that Ono story. Maybe he's better off there, though, than the, the likes of Gar- 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 Garno and Champa who've gone up to the main roster with absolutely no plan whatsoever. Uh, it just says something, doesn't it, to the box of toys mentality that WWE is, is right now. Well, we've got nothing to do with, with Noam Dar. Ah, send him back to the UK. He can live in Europe for a bit. Not, nothing to do with Cassius Ono. Ah, let's send him back down there, even if it is partly a story thing. Uh, it just says everything about the uh, the horde and nature of WWE. But, uh... I think the only guys that have really progressed in signing those contracts, like Devlin, I think, is the most improved wrestler over the last couple of years. I think he's maybe the top 10 in the world at this point. Dunn, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven have improved in various ways as well. But there are a lot of guys who have really stagnated in that system, I think. Um, a guy like Mark Andrews, I think, 
I just can't see him ever changing or ever improving at this point. Mm. He feels like he's almost so stale at such a young age and I can't mm. can't see what else there is he can really do at yeah, such anywhere. a young age. And it feels like it almost feels like, yeah, you've got this WWE contract, but it's not going anywhere and it's a route to kind of nowhere, if anything, mm. once you've got it. And that nowhere isn't just being a mid-carder on the main roster or doing some stuff in NXT. It's doing this weird NXT UK rubbish that doesn't lead anywhere and doesn't... I, I think Mark Andrews is one of the better contracts, isn't he? But mm. it's just such a confusing kind of promotion, if anything. What actually is it? What does it offer these guys ultimately? Yeah, it's a steady income to some extent, but at the same time... Does it stagnate their career? Are they going to be worth more money if they come out of these contracts? Are more people going to want them afterwards? I wonder if to some extent it actually tarnishes your name value and your progression as a wrestler. I don't think it would tarnish. I think the issue was when these were signed, since that point, the landscape of wrestling has really changed and the amount of opportunities have changed and how many of them would have chosen different opportunity if they'd had the chance. So if, for example, an El Fantasmo is getting to do the best of the Super Juniors, in that sense, that's going to promote a kind of, well, there could have been New Japan doors open for, I don't know, say Travis Banks, forever, if, if, he, hadn't, if he hadn't gone down that route. Um, the whole problem still with NXT UK, and, I, and I'm not, you know, it's interesting seeing the presentation. However, one of the problems is with it as a television product is it's in the same formula as everything else. And we bang the drum about this most weeks and their formula of television matches. No one's ever going to progress in in any other ways. I mean, other than what apparently is a very good Devlin banks match from the first night of the taping. Certainly. Uh, They they didn't give it to me on the the main show. I can't be bothered to watch it at this point. It just feels like it's, making up for what they didn't give us because they could book a moment mm. uh, and <laughs> digress someone's push in some way to get the moment. So, whatever. Um, you yeah. got to get it on Progress on Sunday, though. Progress yeah. doing it in the reverse. Like, I... I put I put NXT UK on and it took me a couple of seconds to go, yeah, that's the heel and that's the face. Oh yeah, Devlin and Devlin and Banks are the other way around there. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Uh, you get the progress match, at least we got that to look forward to. Yeah. No. <laughs> well it, I'm sure it'll be good. And I'm sure in yeah. the ballroom and that's setting. Like it will yeah, I'm sure the one in NXT UK is good as well, but mm-hmm. I just have no motivation to watch NXT UK. Fair enough. Uh, what else are you guys been watching uh, before we get to our, our main stuff? Of uh, either been, I believe, if you've been watching some WXW uh, JP and Joe, you've been watching some Fight Club Pro. Yeah, interestingly, leading on from what you were saying about, well, from what we were saying about Travis Banks and Devlin, um, one of the things that made me really laugh in this Fight Club Pro show is Chris Brooks cuts a really good promo when Schadenfreude are facing Team WWE. And was this Wrestle House? Yeah, and he mocks uh, Travis Banks and asks him how his takeover match was, which. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, it did did pop me. It did make me laugh. Uh, and to me, it sort of <laughs> sums up part of the issue. If anything, you've got this hot wrestler who can now do these six mans in Fight Club Pro. Well, he might have been able to do singles. I don't know what the political situation is, but we all know what the situation is in our little bubble. And the cloud at Fight Club Pro, you know what it is as well. So you can make jokes about these things that go on on these. NXT UK shows that are meant to be a better platform for these guys at this point. So it's almost there as like a way to, I don't know, mock if anything, if you're outside of the system. But um, yeah, Fight Club Pro as a show, Wrestle House was 
okay, I suppose. Um, one thing that really stood out was how pat the venue was. Absolutely rammed. Like, I couldn't see any space to move in there, if anything. Um, I think one of the things that kind of impressed me as well was production values were actually really strong on this show. Compared to some other UK promotions, and I'm going to speak about Rev Pro's production values later on, but the actual range and variety of camera shots here was really quite impressive. Use of the crane shot was very good. The editing was good as well. It made complete sense. It was easy to follow. Um, I think Fight Club Pro generally look like they're in a good place at the moment. They look like they're still a very good live promotion, if anything. Um I wouldn't say this. I, they're a promotion that I'd watch on VOD all the time, but looking at this show, it seems like they are making more of an effort with their VOD now. Um, I don't know if have you watched any of this show at all, Benno. No, I mean I'm, I'm tempted because they've started this subscription service, like you say, haven't they? And it's hopefully going to make Fight Club Pro shows a bit more accessible. Like, I mean, they their shows. I know, <laughs> probably given away, but Vimeo is like, if you go onto their mobile site on some of these, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore because they haven't got the VOD, but if you go on the mobile site, you can actually see the amount of watches on Fight Club Pro shows. You can see how many views their videos have got. And some of their shows do like 100 views or maybe 200 at a maximum. Really? And that, and that, that, that even accounts for like, maybe someone watched it twice. Like, that's how that's how bad the VOD numbers of Fight Club Pro are. So it's interesting you talk that like, that maybe the the production in, in improvements and the having a streaming service being a big thing will encourage more people to see the shows because we always talk about Fight Club Pro as a live promotion, don't we? And that's why because they, they might get six, seven hundred people in in a building all excited, but if no one's watching it online, there's never really a big discussion about Fight Club Pro, is there? If people aren't worldwide watching it, it does feel a little bit inconsequential. Uh, I know, I mean, so maybe I'm doing them to the service. I know some of their bigger, you know, the Temple shows, the DTTI type stuff will, will do better. Um, but yeah, maybe the streaming service will get more people to see it. And it'll get more people like me to see it, because to be honest, yeah, Fight Club Pro is a promotion I've not really been paying a lot of attention to in the last, what, eight, nine months? Yeah, I was the same. I went to one show in the whole of last year, and I think I missed like one mm. Hampton show in the whole of mm. 2017, which kind of tells you everything about how I kind of felt about the promotion at that point in time. Not to say they're bad, but they were a promotion that I felt like I didn't need to follow quite as sort of intensely. But I think they're giving people a bit more incentive uh, now to actually follow month to month because they've actually started employing storylines. They've got the Schadenfreude promotion, where the storyline's actually quite interesting, quite engaging as well. Seems to kind of progress from show to show. You've got the ongoing feud with Chris Brooks and Martin Zaki as the owner as well. And I think there is an effort to try and rack up people actually maybe watching this on their VOD service, trying to make the show seem that little bit more important in terms of their month-to-month progression. Because I think one of our biggest criticisms, and this show wasn't kind of um, bereft of it anyway, was the sheer amount of random matches that just happen on Fight Club Pro shows and the way that the card might change at the last minute and the way that, oh, this person's on the card now and you sort of think, oh, is that because they're going to be good at the piss-up after the show? (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, there are improvements that have been made. I think a couple of the things that they could add and I would like to see uh, to make them that little bit more interesting and important on a VOD, they desperately need to get commentary. Um, 
I know commentary in 2019 across the board isn't exactly the strongest it's ever been, but I do think if Fight Club Pro are trying to be more of a story promotion, they need someone there to fill in those gaps from month to month on the stories and where they're going and what's happened. Because I was at the December shows and there were various things that Chardon for you that I couldn't remember and I had to look back and remind myself and I remembered straight away, but someone could have been there to fill in that gap on commentary here and if you're a new viewer and you dip it into this and there's no commentary you've not seen them live before i don't know why you maybe continue to watch because everything might feel quite random you wouldn't really understand who schadenfreude are why they exist you might not know martin zaki is and why he's feuding with them mm. you may not know mako satamura is and why she's the champion let's say so i do think commentary is something they need to add and the other thing as well i would say is they really need to change the lighting in the venue because i understand that it's a fight club they're going for this dark grimy gritty aesthetic but for me the venue is too dark i'm watching it on the vod i want to see that crowd you could see when they were having like fights in the crowd how full and how packed it was in there but i've never been a fan of wrestling shows where i can't see the crowd but you can hear a crowd noise but you can't see who's watching the show and i actually sometimes think that this can have an adverse effect on the crowd's engagement in the show as well because Mm. during the matches i can just do a lot of chatting i can hear lots of people just talking can't make out any conversations but the audio from the crowd is that a chatter, not engagement, not people into the match. Whereas you think of, say, OTT, you can never hear that in their crowd. You can always, it always feels like people are intensely watching the show and they're into the show, if anything. And I think they need to make some of the matches for that a little bit more important and maybe put a little bit more light on the crowd to psychologically engage them in the show a little bit more and make sure they can't just go missing kind of in the darkness, if anything. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about dark crowds and no light on the crowds, but it's something I've never, ever liked. I've always enjoyed the more kind of WWE approach of lighting your crowd or, say, the Corican Hall approach of having just mm. house lights on. For me, that's always the best approach because it forces people to almost be into the action, be watching the action, whereas you can just go mm. missing in a dark crowd, if anything. I remember that was one of my big critiques for All In when I watched that. And it was like, yeah, it looked great in the photos and it looked great at the start when they turned the house lights up. But for most of the show, you couldn't really make out they were in as big a building as they were. And I was watching it going, you've, you've got to show this stuff off. You've got to make it clear how many people are there. And yeah, I think there's that argument. And then there's also like the, the atmosphere argument as well, isn't it? To actually, you know, see how engaged the crowd are. It's part of the overall presentation. I think it reminds me whenever I see darkened crowds of sort of TNA trying to hide the fact that there was no one. <laughs> a lot of their television tapes yeah. just gives you bad memories of of companies doing that where they're not showing any of the crowd because is there anyone there? Is it going to look yeah. embarrassing? Yeah. Um, and that's not uh, – and immediately that's the kind of stigma around it. So unless there's actually a reason yeah. for it, you should be highlighting that crowd. The opposite as well, isn't it? Like the I don't know you you guys. I think you both were uh, <clears throat> tape trade or watching the the DVDs of IWA Mid South, and that was yeah. always a thing where I watched their show these these big hype super indie shows, and you could literally see there was ten people in the crowd. And I was like, if there was ever if there were ever shows that needed dark and light, they're the types of shows. But if you yeah. can't load to the yeah. screen, you should show it. Well, that's a different extreme. FIP had the same, didn't they? But they oh god, yeah. They used to darken the crowd. I remember a Battle Royale in FIP where there were more people in the ring than there were in the crowd. <laughs> and the, I, 
the talent in that ring. Yeah, Talking yeah. Like Brian, CM Punk, Homicide, Samoa Joe. Proper talent in that ring. About 10 people watching in the crowd. Weird. But at least those FIP shows, they had something going for them. That they, at least they were, they were always... Weren't they always next door to the strippers? Wasn't there a... There's a CM Punk and Homicide brawl that kind of went into it. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like a, a falls cut anyone that went into the strippers. <laughs> that made up for the uh, for the lack of people around. Yeah, that that was a hilarious match, that one. I remember seeing the hype videos for that and being like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't. It was fun, oh. what it was. But, yeah, I just wish Fight Club would make a little bit more effort. They very much still feel, even though they're making an effort, like the social promotion where mm. people are meeting, you know, halfway yeah. across the country, coming together for a chat and a drink, if anything, which is nice. But at the same time, I just want to feel like people are actually watching and engaging mm. the matches. Like mm. the Osprey Carl Fletcher match that I watched the card, um, there was a lot of chatting that you could hear. And there were long periods where Carl Fletcher, who's trying out this new heel role, was in charge of the match and was in control of the match. And I really like Carl Fletcher, and I'm glad he's getting this opportunity to try a like different character, try and improve, improve in a different sort of role. But he's not necessarily comfortable in this role yet. And the type of crowd response he was getting kind of wasn't helpful to him either. Because I felt mm. people were more interested in sort of chatting and then popping for the kind of high spots, if anything. So the most kind of response the match got was when Osprey was on offense. And then when they did like a, there was a break from the kind of heel face dynamic where they just went like crazy indie style for about a minute. And it was great. Um, and I really got into it at that point. But when they went back to the hill face divide, and then you could just hear chatting again. So, mm. I, yeah, I do think they need to maybe think through what they're doing because Schadenfreude with this hill uh, group, but when you're doing kind of indie spot match or dream match style, the crowd seem way more into it. Whereas as soon as you stop doing that and you go more clear heel face dynamic, it feels like the crowd kind of tail off a bit and just reverts, uh, I don't know, cans of red stripe and <laughs> strong black and yeah. having a chat. And um, I would say it's a match worth watching just to see Carl Fletcher try something different as well. But I think he's got a bit of a way to come in that role, if anything. It's a work in progress, really. Uh, I didn't feel like his heel mannerisms were necessarily up to scratch. He's someone who I think people want to cheer still because mm. he's he's a natural baby face he's young he looks like a good guy <laughs> let's yeah, be honest yeah. he's not dickish he doesn't come across like a dick no nice lad yeah so it feels very much like boo that he's a heel let's boo him because we're being told to rather than people actually wanting to boo him if anything mm. but i just don't think um Kyle Fletcher as this character yeah. will produce a great match between these two. I yeah. think if it was just a face versus face indie dream match style sort of yeah. match, it, they would have really delivered because the yeah. moments where they were doing that sort of stuff were great. Even Osprey was moaning about it. I saw him saying like, "Oh, I had one of my favorite matches against Kyle Fletcher, and no one's really talking about it." And it's like, well, yeah, that's because it because it happened on a Fight Club Pro show, mate. And yeah, the reasons you just mentioned there, Joe, they sound like the reasons too but yeah but maybe maybe a bigger match somewhere else on a rev pro stage would be uh would definitely be for the better yeah no i completely agree with you they'll have it at some point i'm sure of it even if it's in progress where i think mm. 
the crowd will be that little bit more engaged as well in that more intense sort of ballroom setting. Um, mm. Talking of progress, a match that I also watched on the show that I saw in progress last year was the Mark Davis-Walter match, which was probably in like my sort of top three progress matches from last mm. year. which we Literally saw- this time last year, yeah. Yeah, we, we saw, saw Manchester. Manchester live last year. It was a great match, and it really felt like a kind of a point where they could have pushed Mark Davis that little bit more as a single if they'd have wanted to, because he really got over as a result of the kind of visceral nature of the match and the way he was able to stand up to Walt and all the rest of it in kayfabe terms. But this was a weird match. Um, it was completely different to the progress match, and it really, really dragged at points. Like, I get what they're doing with the Schadenfreude stuff. I think it's a good move, um, and I think Brooks has shown his real creative side with it as well. But at the same time, it's making sort of the dynamic and some of the matches feel a bit confusing because Schadenfreude are trying really hard to wrestle as heels. <laughs> mm. And we've got to know that they are the heels, if anything. And I think the crowd seemed a little bit confused here and didn't really know who to cheer, who to boo and all the rest of it. And n- none of the sort of reaction felt organic. And mm. it didn't feel like the sort of match that this crowd wanted on this night, like, it didn't feel like there was any sort of through line or or focus story-wise in the match that really connected with anyone in the crowd. And it just felt like the match was a lot of sort of window dressing until we got to the post-match angle. Um, just you, the match in progress they had last year was really intense and in front of a really hot crowd who really bought into the story of the match and really wanted to see Mark Davis get an upset win. And he won here, but it didn't feel like a big moment. He just sort of hit a pile driver and won. And it was like, oh, that's it. And it went on for quite a while. And there was quite a lot of chatting <laughs> in the crowd again. Because there, I don't know if it's harder for the wrestlers to wrestle in that sort of environment where there is that chatting. And therefore, they can't tell a consistent story because of it. Or maybe it makes them not want to make as much effort to establish that i don't know i'm not a wrestler but it just was a real letdown <laughs> to be honest and i'm really not sure that walter is the best opponent for mark davis as a heel because walter's that established big guy whereas mark davis is that up-and-coming big guy who hasn't been established as a single yet yet in this match walter's wrestling as kind of a tweener face and Mark Davis is wrestling as a heel, so the whole dynamic just felt a little bit skewed. I think commentary would help the story of this match in some way as well, but yeah, not a match that I'd say run out of your way to see, to be honest with you. They've got so much better in them, so much better. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, doesn't sound like all in all like a show that I'm going to be uh, running out to watch, mm-hmm. but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they, um, you say they got better in them, we've seen them have better, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. Again, I think I'm more interested in Fight Club Pro because they've got a streaming service now. I am going to DDTI as well. I'm going to go to... Because they've got... They've they've announced uh, LAX. They've announced uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. They've got some... I think Sammy Callahan's over. They've got some interesting names over, so that'll kind of be my first Fight Club Pro experience in a a long while. Um, So I I should probably check out some of the VOD and and catch myself up. But yeah, I don't think think I'll be starting with that show. Uh, I'm guessing now are you uh, traveling up for uh, for, tag, for the uh, Dream Tag Team Invitational? Not at this point, but it is one of the places that I do want to go and see this new venue. I want to see the hangar because I haven't been there myself, but mm. it's the faff of getting to Wolverhampton and, and all the rest oh. of it. And 
trying yeah. to fit it in with every other sort of big weekenders that we do. The names are interesting, aren't they? But you'll see them elsewhere. Like uh, Pe- yeah. Pentagon's doing a match with Pac in TNT wrestling in Liverpool, literally the Thursday before. Um, Cause he's over. But then again, I don't trust them because they did. They were supposed to have Pac and Jody Fleisch uh, this week on Thursday, and I was gutted that I couldn't go. And then su- for some unknown reason, they replaced Jody with Rampage Brown, which I was very glad that I didn't go in the end. Not that he's bad, Rampage Brown, but I wasn't hugely excited. Um, but no, the, the, I, yeah. I'll, I'll probably I'll, I'll probably go go and see if it happens. Penta and Pack, and yeah, I'd expect a lot of those names will be announced in in similar places. Was Jody Fly still on the card? I don't think so. I can't find results anywhere in full. If anyone was there, please let us know. But I think he no shows. I know he, he. I don't know whether he had a family thing or what. I've genuinely not seen anything about it, so I'm not too sure. Yes, yeah. Pack and Rampage Brown doesn't sound like something I'd want to see. To yeah. be no, me neither. I don't know. There are a lot of Rampage Brown fans. He's your solid worker, your wrestler's wrestler, the type of guy that other wrestlers rave about. You know, the working. Um, but yeah, the, that doesn't fill me with a huge amount of excitement. It doesn't fill me with the, a lot of uh, sadness that I missed it. He hasn't turned up in Coronation Street yet, which is what I was hoping for Rampage after World of Sport. But <laughs> I think there's a vacancy in Who Kevin Garage still. <laughs> Perfect for that. He's got the look. Him and, him and T-Bone together. It, it makes sense. I could see that. Taking over the place. Yeah, or maybe doing a wrestling ring delivery service or something. <laughs> and they need to take it to Webster's Garage to get the van fixed and their way to a show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right itself. Yeah. There you go. They're on the way. I haven't watched any of Coronation. I haven't, oh, no, it's not Coronation. It's Emmerdale, isn't it, that's got the um, the wrestler in? Yeah, well, no, man can't watch it. It'd be- oh. Beowulf, yeah. I'm guessing you haven't caught up with any Beowulf, JP. I know Joe hasn't there. I haven't. If I've been watching, in in terms of the non-wrestling output, I've been sort of making the kids watch Brass Eye, which is going down really well, but they're building their way up to the Peter Kedden one. Oh, so no. <laughs> tread, tread carefully, yes. because I showed that to my 17-year-old students and had a complaint from a parent who... Did you? Yeah, who asked why I showed them a disgusting paedophile program. And I was like, they're media students and it's a satire and they need to understand what satire is. And that's why I showed it to them. And it's also about a subject which is sensationalising the media and it's a satirisation of subjects that are sensationalising the media. That's why I showed it to him. And the response was, why can't they just make nice pop videos like that one she did before? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, mate, I teach in David Cameron's old constituency, Tory fucking Artlands. <laughs> but we how do we get onto that <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know i was about to ask where else you've been watching jp but i on a non-wrestling build up it's not really non-wrestling front but i've been trying to watch um bushido on amazon the old uh, oh the UWFI, old, the old UWFI stuff. Yeah, did you, did you either of you guys watch any of that when it was on TV? Oh. I remember I was talking to people a couple a few weeks ago about it, and it was like everyone's got different memories of it because it was on different Sky channels over the years. It was on Bravo for a little while. It yeah. was on. I think it was on Sky Sports or Sky One for a little while. I remember like I was I was young enough watching it that I wasn't a hundred percent on whether it was real or not. I remembered recognizing. I was. I remember Gary Albright being. I was like, I was looking. I'm going. Hang on, that's that same wrestler from WCW versus the World. And then it started to sink in. Oh, there actually are wrestlers, and it's not real. Um, did you know it was on there, Joe? And have you been watching any of it, JP? I had no idea. I haven't seen it, but I do remember it at the time. Mm. And it all gets kind of merged into. Was I possibly watching New Japan on Eurosport at the time? Mm. Um, and that's you know. 
that'd be a that'd be a channel to get a wrestling promotion on. But that's another. So, yeah, love a bit of Eurosport. <laughs> Just to watch it. I don't watch it anymore. It's not. Does up it to still exist? Stories. It still exists. A lot of it seems to be tennis based. You know, no more Euro Tour goals. France. Yeah, a lot of Tour de yeah, France yeah. snooker as well. They've got Are a fair bit of snooker. I'm not massive. This is. Uh, you're into your geezer sports. Come I do on. like the geezer sports, but I'm not going to go too far out of my way. There's a lot of snooker and darts on already. Well, I know you and Stephen Fudder are going yeah. to that game of darts arranged next time you're impressed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, he'd kick my ass. Fudder looks a bit like a dance player, don't you reckon? Like the hair, the look. He's got the charisma. He could, he could definitely carry that on. I could see him coming out yeah. of the darts at Ali Pally. Yeah. Back to UWFI. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> at that point in time I had heard of it because I'd read it read about it in wrestling magazines. I was aware of the existence of something called UWFI and I was aware that Vader had been in it and I knew who Gary Albright was like you. But I've not I mean if if, if this helps you at all on the prime description it says yeah. starring it says starring Dan Seven. He's the big star. Um yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, Life's too short to be watching Dan Seven matches. Let's be honest. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna at some point. I'm gonna I'm gonna stream the whole thing. I, I watched the first episode. It brought back some memories, but it's not really the same as watching it on Bravo with, you know, in the middle of the night with you know adverts for for calling up women um, and <laughs> and Babe Station and, and all of that stuff. You're you're missing the real element of, of watching. Uh, was it analog? It probably would have been analog Sky TV uh, in those days. Uh, it need, if, yeah, it was up, been... if it was uploaded with all that stuff, adverts intact, I think I'd be more likely to to binge the whole thing. Followed by a bit of laid bare. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. Boost up Brits abroad, laid bare. Danny Dyer's football, real football factories, classic. Oh yeah. Uh, what was what's the other one? Booze Britain. Yes. Oh yes. Just seemed like absolute. Bravo was a great TV channel, wasn't it? I love. Hey, they had ECW really at one point. They were showing like half-hour um, versions, weren't they, of ECW TV? The, I remember it was, it was around the. It was like 1998, but they were showing like the 1996 Raven uh, Stevie Richards stuff. And then they, they had like a, a, a. They had a longer version at some point, but they also showed WCW at one point as well. Great channel. Did that WCW? See, yeah, this it is was when it was when TNT folded um, over here, and they they added on. They had, they had, I think Bravo got like the last run of WCW. I think I think they they had it until it, it got cancelled, or at least in the the dying the dying Jeff Jarrett Sid Vicious years. <laughs> they were dark years. I know Joe watched Halloween Havoc two thousand the other week, which that must have been an experience to see. That, that wouldn't have been on Bravo though, would it? <laughs> it didn't have the pay per views. No, 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 it was just the TV. Yeah. You have to go to the German channels for that. Yeah, it's a, a DSF. DSF, yeah. And just about here, the Tony Schiavone underneath the sort of dubbed German commentary. I was also going to say as well, I think, if I remember rightly, on Bravo, they used to show live Sunday League football at one point. I might be confused <laughs> with, like, live TV or Within, something. like, me and my mates down the park. Yeah, they, they were doing Sunday League games, and they also had a reality <laughs> show based around... Danny Baker one, the Danny Baker reality show, where he's with a Sunday League football Possibly. Side. Yeah, there was a there was that's a, that that was on Bravo, I think. Okay. He basically, had a Sunday league side, and he just followed them for a season. That was it. Was follow Locomotive Enfield? Is that it? Yeah. 
It was around the time of like own goals and gaps and all the rest. I of it. think it was like and Five Live yeah. Foden and, every, and Danny Baker's prime. It's like a proper. <laughs> it was a proper for the loaded generation. Oh, the, the oh, lads' it channel. Was, it was full it on really lads' channel. Was. <laughs> on every level. You used to speak that somewhere from the loaded generation. I too. <laughs> all, all, you, all you need in there is a documentary about Carlos the Jackal, and you've kind of got the mid-90s summed up. I think cars were the only thing from the loader generation I wasn't going for, though. The yeah. rest of it, I'm absolutely on board with. Maybe not the yeah. cheap lager, because we've moved on from that shite. Except for the <laughs> pub quiz I go to, obviously, in Blackpool. But cars, <laughs> nah, the rest of it, all good. So you're an F- F- uh, not FHM. Yeah, FHM buyer. FHM. Uh, I, I bought a couple of sneaky copies back in the day. I couldn't reach up to the top shelf at that point in time. So I, I just remembered the first time I went to America. I went over to watch Ring of Honor when I was about 19. And on the way out, I, I bought a copy of FHM. And I got, it got uh, taken off me by uh, when I was going through security. What? It was the first time I'd been abroad on my own. I was literally traveling abroad. See, this is, this is what my life was when I was 19. I went over to meet my friends off at MSN and stay at the house. And I was go. I remember going through security and them going, "Oh, so so why why, why are you coming to the states?" And I was like, "Well, uh, I'm coming to meet my friends." And like, "Oh, how do you know them?" I was like, "MSN Messenger. Uh, we're gonna go to the Ring of Honor shows. It's a wrestling company." Straight away, I got pulled got pulled to the sides. Got my bag searched. Got everything thrown everywhere. They just didn't believe me because oh, that was the other thing. Yeah, they they asked me. I was so stupid at nineteen. They asked me. What's the address of where you're going to stay? And I genuinely hadn't even written an address down from my mate. I just knew I was going to meet him at the airport. I was just going in blind. So I didn't even have an address to give them. I think I tried to give them a fake one. And that's what led to me getting searched. But yeah, long story short, part of my luggage, I had a copy of FHM. And I remember the guy taking it off me and saying I could have it back. I don't know if he thought it was hardcore porn or what, but... Uh, I reckon he was out of wanking material for the for the week or something, and just like a sneaky go on this. Um, uh, I was nineteen. I was at that point. <laughs> Mate, you should have just put the Murphy Rec Center down as your your <laughs> your address. Yeah, or <laughs> it worked out well. I didn't get killed. Still friends to this day with the dudes I went and stayed with. But yeah, oh, we've all done weird things for wrestling. Let's be honest. I could, I could do a whole stand up routine on the weird shit I've done for wrestling. Should we do that for our live WXW show? Still buy tickets for. There's an idea. That's that's good here. I like this. We're we're stirring this in the mind walk live <laughs> on air. That's great. <laughs> oh, speaking of WXW, then JP, you've been catching up with some of their stuff. Well, yeah, predominantly nice was one of the things I wanted to say. I, I watched sort of from the Dead End show, um, which is like their last run on the road to 16 carats. Hurrying. Mm connotations with wwe there um and there was just a couple of sort of main notable notes from that um first of which they've been doing a really good storyline it's a sort of, i would say this is if you're going to go out of your way to watch a match from it vite muller versus walter um which they've been doing a really good story quite s- slow burn about vite muller wanting to join ring camp and having to prove himself and so he's he's wrestled matches with them. He had a match against Timothy Thatcher that was apparently that was apparently good. And here it's like kind of Walter as like the the boss villain, and it was like proper hard hitting Hoss stuff, but completely worked because Vite Muller's from Hamburg and he's been held in Hamburg as well, so it had like a really good atmosphere to it. And Walter was playing bully, which worked, but Vite Muller got enough stuff in there to get himself over obviously Walter won but it's going to be interesting to see what they do and Vite Muller is someone who is well worth having a, having a look at particularly if 
as we imagine after 16 carat, he might not be seeing too much more of, of Walter around the place. Um, Is he in relation to Gerd? I don't know that. Did he play for Hamburg as well? Yeah, Gerd Muller. Yeah, I know Gerd Muller, but did he play for Hamburg? <laughs> no, 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 that's Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Career, I think. Yeah. Um, the other one to say was the opening match, which kind of set up the Star-Walter match that's going to be happening in the first night of 16 carriage. I'm really looking forward to seeing. Mm. And that was the um, Thatcher and Jern Simmons versus, who was it, David Starr? Struggling, I think now, of who he was teaming with. Bobby Guns? No, I wouldn't say it was, was it Ilya Dragunov? Was it Ilya? No, it wasn't Bobby Guns because he was involved in a match in the main event, which I've not seen yet. Anyway, it was it that was very good. I'll have to quickly check to see who it, who who was in that one. Um, but it was really good the way that they kind of played up the story and um, played up Star Walter again. So it was like a really really hot angle within that as well. Um, yeah, fun couple of matches from what I've seen. I mean. They're very good and they kind of know how to build 16 carat, which has got a really fascinating um, 15 and 15 person announcement so far. <laughs> really looking forward to going. Did you hear the 16 guys canter? Apparently that's the, uh, that's the rumor. Eh. Yeah. yeah. Nothing for me either. I don't know if it's true. That's just what uh, people spread. Uh, in treat as much as anything. But I mean, I think overall the way that they're building up, like I like the fact that night one they've got Star versus Walter, and what will yeah. possibly be the culmination of the story. Night two they've got Guns versus Andy, mm. and then obviously night three you'll have who wins sixteen carat, and already they're like some great main events for those for yeah. what will be for those Absolutely. those three nights. I think as well, it's <laughs> Star's got to be winning, isn't he? Because Walter's probably got to be doing tags and six bands, especially if Dieter's there for the weekend as yeah, well, yeah. which they can get away with doing some ring camp reunion stuff. It, it all makes sense, doesn't it? it but it's a, it's a good way to start the start the tournament off. And come on, David Starr. <laughs> and ambition, just... ambition looks good as well. Oh, it looks great. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to make a special effort to get out of bed this year for ambition. That, but definitely doing wrestling Deutschland. There's that show that's early in the morning again, isn't it? The ten wrestling show. cult. Yeah, that's it. I don't know about that one. That that one's a question mark. Yeah, ambition, I think, is a must. It looks like they're bringing more guys in specifically for ambition this year as well, doesn't it? Mm. So it seems like they're throwing out all the guns this year to make ambition a special show. So I think, yeah, that's a must-see show this year. Ambition was great last year. Um, mm. I hope that sleep was good last year, Benno, because he really did miss it. <laughs> I missed it, yeah. That's, it. that's my fault for, uh, for staying up all night. But, hey, uh, this year I'm making it. This year I'm, I'm planning on seeing absolutely everything. That's well, it's funny, say, but... you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about it, being kind of like they've invited a lot of people in they actually asked in november i've just seen something come up on facebook they were asking wrestlers to message them about who would who would wrestle in it and why they'd be good which is an interesting way to take it mm, it's probably got, a ridgeway ended up there yeah yeah rico bushido's on there that's your boy yeah exactly should have got josh bowden in he'd have missed his flight he'd be up partying again all night like he did last time those Bournemouth clubs aren't going to get to themselves, are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got um, an extra bonus segment for you. It'll take a one minute, but would you like to, uh, uh, just to break the fourth wall, we've been on our break, and in our break, Charlotte's been good. We went to our Ikea today, so we're clearing oh, out yeah. the house. 
and she just cleared out a cupboard and the amount of my wrestling shite that she's just pulled out is hilarious <laughs> there's a sign polaroid of me and christopher daniels that's going on twitter <laughs> There's a signed Ring of Honor poster for some reason signed by Nature Boy Ric Flair. In fact, I remember <laughs> I bought it at a 1PW show from Ashton Smith just when he was a trainee. I don't know why I remember that it was him, but I bought it from him. She's found Lucharific Volume 2, the best of Lucha Libre 2003. Sure, everyone wants that. The show, Showdown in Motown, famous Ring of Honor cover where Brian Danielson and Chris Saban both look like they're naked. A bad, bad match. She, she's also found... <laughs> And Everton, basically every Everton season in review up to about 2008, but also in its packaging, unopened, The Great Escapes, an Everton DVD about all those times we almost went down but didn't go down. Like, they literally made a DVD. There's the Wimbledon match. There's a Coventry match. The one where Gareth Farrelly scored the winner in the 3-2. Hans Sagers basically let it in. Yeah. It's uh, Graham Stewart and... um, uh, Barry Owen. Um yeah and I was oh, I was at that one I remember me and my dad going to that one I was literally sat at the back I think of the main stand on my dad's knee I was way too old to be sat on my dad's knee but I think you could only get one ticket on the day yeah the great escapes that are, says on the back there are certain matches that will never be forgotten by Evertonians I feel like we should probably forget them uh, <laughs> but yeah I've got a load of rig about it there's cup uh, DVD of like what was it 1984 85 Everton won the cup winners cup <laughs> that's it yeah I don't, I don't was it 84 bought... the one the league in 85 no, no one the league in 84 and then the cup winners cup in 84 as well didn't they possibly Maybe. I'm not an Everton fan I shouldn't know this I've got a set of tapes of, from the 80s that are my dad's somewhere but she hasn't pulled those out with them but yeah Got that. A load of Ring of Honor DVDs, including Joe Kabashi, uh, still in its wrapper. Might sell that one day. WrestleMania X8 for the GameCube. Never owned a GameCube. Don't know why I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, Madden 2003. I never really liked NFL that much. I don't think of 2003, but I own that apparently. Oh. <laughs> Trick down memory lane. How was Lucharific 2003? I have no memory of owning that DVD. I can't think of it. There's a load of Shikara here as well. Like, I was never a Shikara fan. For some reason, I hoarded a load of their stuff along with my... There's loads of 90s WWF tapes, obviously, of course. And for some reason, some AAW show randomly from the mid-2000s. I don't know why I own this stuff. Wow. Were they going then? Yeah, uh, I remember going over because my mate Robles, just like a, he was like one of the video guys for them. And it was like night 2005. It's from Berwyn Eagles Club. Who's on the show? It looks like John. That's not John Cena. No, it's not. Uh, it would have been too late, wasn't it? Main event, ODB versus Rain. Oh, Keith Martini and Zach big. Gowan versus Gary Havoc and the Golden Ninja. <laughs> Black and, hey, Tyler Black's on there. Black and the Brave versus Brad Bradley and Robert Ego Anthony. Don't know if these names are doing anything for you. Marek Brave. Yeah, there you go. Eric Priest versus Tony Scarponi. Mike Venom versus Dominion. I don't know why I own this DVD. I don't know. It's a load of shite. So yeah, when we finish recording, <laughs> I'm going to basically have to spend the next two hours just working out what I'm going to throw away and what I'm going to not. So Most out there who wants this stuff, go for it. Isn't... Keep the evidence stuff. That sounds like some oh, classics definitely. there. Yeah. <laughs> All unwrapped as well. Most, most of the wrestling stuff sounds like it should be on Amazon Prime anyway. There you go, yeah. Given the weirdness of that list. I'll, I'll sell some of it and make some money. Those Ring of Honor DVDs, genuinely, like about four years ago, I sold loads of my Ring of Honor DVDs on eBay for like at least like a tenner to, in one case, like 30 quid for one of the DVDs. I don't know if they go for that much now. I think the, the market is saturated. We've had this conversation, haven't we, Joe? Yeah, with Bregs on the horizon, people are going to have less disposable cash anyway, aren't they? So. <laughs> it's, a, 
But anyway, I digress. Before we get to our main stuff, uh, which is our weekend at uh, uh, RevPro, PCW, and uh, the shows that it contains, uh, we still got one other thing to talk about, OTT. Yeah. We good to and go? What, yep. And what an absolute hell of a, certainly the opening of the show they, they had that weekend. Yep. Um, Devlin and Star was kind of... I've heard... Like I mean, to be honest, like I've heard people make mention that you know Devlin and Star went on first, Pac and uh, Walter went on third, and Ilya was on second. People say it's the WWE. Any theories on that? Like what the the actual reason is, or why it would happen? It's the WWE. Well, we were talking about, it, and the only one we could think is normally they've got a week sort of they prohibit it for them working anywhere, mm. and obviously they were working on the Friday night, so mm. they would have had to have had approval. But for whatever bizarre reason, they would have needed them going over to Coventry that night. That seems God, can you odd. Hanging out in Coventry from Monday to Saturday. Fuck that. <laughs> Sat around for four days in Coventry having nothing to do. Jesus. Go to the Sky Dome. Go to Coventry State. There, yeah, there's not much to do. What the Rico Arena? Don't Coventry not even play there now? No, they don't. The I do know some nice places around, but I haven't been there for a while. Four days. Four days of nice stuff. Could you think of four days of nice stuff in Coventry? No. I can think of about six hours in general where you could actually visit some decent things. There's a there's the cathedral. I could have gone there. That bit that was bombed during World War Two. Uh, there's a transport museum. I, dig- I digress. There's a bit of a hipster <laughs> no, village. These NXT UK lads have got it shit, haven't they? Mm. If you were in Florida, you go to Disneyland, you go to Universal Studios, SeaWorld. You could go and live it up. Bit of outlet shopping as well. Get some cheap trainers in. I'm sure, Trent Seven tears it up on the trainers when he's over there. Mm. These lot, yeah, Coventry for four days. Enfield. Different world. Yeah. Enfield, but not even near Enfield Town, where they've built a shopping centre there as well. That isn't very good. Again, completely off topic. <laughs> oh, Devon Star. Yeah. <laughs> but OTT. Devon Star was a good match. Like, I mean, I'll throw, I'll throw oh, that out there. You know, pretty good, pretty good stuff. I think it was the most yeah. well presented package oh, yeah. of wrestling yeah. that I've seen. In God knows how long, it was awesome mm-hmm. from start to finish. Yeah, and not not a five star match, but it didn't need to be a five star match. It was a perfect what it was match. It was a perfect heated. Everything meant something. The momentum didn't stop at any point in the match. That's the type of match it needs to be, and that, especially going on first. And that's the type of match it was. Yeah, it was the way it was structured was was perfect. And starting mm. off with the promo package, and um, I had good fun listening to uh, Lee Malone. Mm. on uh, British Wrestling Experience with you and Martin Mm. earlier on in the week and talking about the live reaction and the fact that he was responsible for the fuck off uh, (laughs) as soon as as they were as soon as they were coming we did Um, which was fantastic because I like just in terms of sort of summing up a reaction to that coming on first but they made it made sense the commentators again did an absolutely cracking job oh, the Jordan Devlin can't wait for David Starr so he requested to go on first I was like Angus mate you yeah. know how to get this stuff over he's the best commentator out there for the rest of them I, I really like Kevin Kelly in New Japan I think he's come on yeah. leaps and bounds 
Angus McAnally is number one at the moment. No one beats Angus in wrestling. He's Think about the shite we have to listen to in WWE. Corey Graves going about Kofi Kingston, almost winning the title, is going to change the world. Is it? And then we've got <laughs> Angus McAnally with absolute realism and finding ways to get everything over in a real-world context, whereas WWE do it within their own confined weird world McAnally if you're listening mate you're a top commentator That's it. he knew all like the big moments didn't he like when Devlin's using the same strike combo that he used in the Walter match he's making sure he, he mentions that and it just gives a heightened stakes doesn't it to a match that's already you know incredible and already you know so layered it's great to have a commentator like that who knows knows the product and knows how to, to switch gears and, and do the dramatic call and give this match uh, what it deserves because yeah the commentary was absolutely incredible in this thing well i'm just thinking back over this match and it kind of had everything that i love about wrestling in it and i think both of you have sort of made points similar to that as well Mm. just in terms of the having an amazing package coming in then having devlin come in the way he did absolutely pumped up to the gills in terms of these guys being in character and we were talking about acting this was amazing. And the way that Devlin comes in, absolutely intense. And then when you hear Star's music and it's Pat Benatar and the crowd know what this means. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's brought across on commentary as well. And it just completely, um, you realize what a dick move it is. And then he's got the, the green, white and gold on the, on the shorts with Del, um, Del Sacked with, uh, which means loyalty in Irish, on the back of it. It was just absolutely brilliant. And then making sense logically that you start off with the brawl and then you work your way into the into the sort of wrestling and the confines of a match. It it worked in, in that regard. And the, the brawling was vicious and it was nasty. And the pair of them completely kept it up. I think Devlin's facials are absolutely incredible. The way that he goes from this sort of pure intensity to sort of being shocked and then at times looking like he's about to be killed. Um, yeah, I just loved it. It was just everything about this was logical and it was a well-built feud, which kind of, as you know, we talk about make reference to all of the various kind of high quality television drama stuff. This was a storyline that felt that it was deep and it was developed with real strong characterization well, to it. Yeah, brilliant la- stuff. There were layers, weren't there, yeah. to the storytelling here, which is, you know, something that's really hard to develop in wrestling. We often don't see it much as in New Japan, really, do we, in the sort of modern era anyway. Yeah. And to actually see an independent promotion be able to fill this arena with this match and mm. get the crowd completely invested in this match. And for there to be a clear heel-face dynamic in front of 1,500 indie fans. There wasn't any ironic David Starr booing, uh, sorry, cheering, I should say. It was just heel face. Devlin felt like a proper hometown hero. Mm. He felt like someone that the fans were completely behind, completely bought into. And Starr played his, both guys did, but Starr especially played his role perfectly in this match. He was about as unlikable as you could get, but he didn't have to resort to cheap heel tactics. He went to psychological heel tactics, like the t-shirt, like the callback with the Pat Benatar song as well, the trunks for a bit of irony. 
Yeah, it was petty, but it wasn't petty kind of like mind games, having a go at the crowd and stuff to get over. It was mind games Mm. and the crowd there were completely aware of what the story was. They bought into the story. It was just absolutely perfect storytelling. Storytelling is finest in wrestling. Mm. When he's out there with David Starr, you believe everything he does because he feels like, I think I've made the comparison before, between him and CM Punk, like he comes across as somebody who, whatever you think of him, he believes everything he's saying. Whether he's a face, whether he's a heel, when he's, you know, shouting at Jordan Devlin during the match, it feels like he means it. When he, you know, when he hits big moves, when he hits like a dive to the outside, it just feels like it's with hatred and when he's really trying to hurt his opponent. Like it goes back to what you said at the start. When it comes to acting and wrestling, uh, I don't think, David Starr's got a peer right now. He's just he's just that good, and yeah, he's uh, he's kind of made a joke out of the people who uh, who tried to pretend who tried to pretend David Starr isn't good because I don't know what more proof do you need than than this story and everything he's done in RevPro this last year. I think even his biggest doubters can't uh, can't talk about David Starr at this point. I think he's one of the absolute best in the world at this point. I don't think there's any denying that. Mm. I think one of the things I also loved about this one as well, going back to the mind games. When they started using each other's moves as well, mm. that was great. And it was almost like a game of one-upmanship. And it was like, well, you've used one of my moves. I'll kick out of that. And I'm going to use one of your moves as well. And sometimes that can be cheap um, and it can feel out of place. Whereas here, it felt absolutely perfect. And again, the crowd were fully on board with knowing what was going mm. on when it came to that. Just another great piece, of, a great example of the psychology that was used in this match to kind of piss both guys off but get the crowd on side as well. Just just great stuff. Mm, absolutely. Uh, did you guys see uh, much else from this show? I mean, it's it didn't really recover from this point. This was by far the, the high point of the show, which, again, is the problem with mm. putting it on first. Um, yeah, well, what else of the show did you guys see? So I saw the first three matches and then watched the Osprey Davis versus Besties in the World. They're the, they're the ones that I've seen yeah, so far. Yeah, that's exactly the same as me. Um, I'm going to leave it that. It doesn't feel like there's a lot else that's kind no. of worth yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's funny been... with OTT, isn't it? Because I, like, I remember when I was raving about the, the video package, someone came back to me on Twitter and was like, oh, would you recommend, you know, what OTT show would you go you say I could recommend? Is the undercard as good as all this main event stuff? And <laughs> I don't know, what would you, you guys takes on the undercard stuff? Because we do do this a lot, don't we? We dip into OTT and we talk the big stuff. But I've got to be honest, some of the comedy stuff I do find myself skipping and stuff like the second half of this show, based on mm. the reviews from people who were there and based on the people who have seen it. Other than that Osprey match, I can't see myself desperate to, to run out the way to see a lot of the rest of it. Well, I obviously watched the last couple of OTT shows the whole way through and I found myself really getting into it and enjoying it. But if you don't have the time, and that's really where it comes down to in terms of the amount of content, obviously you see a card like this and the two matches that you're going to be drawn to are the two of the first three matches. So when you see that, it's going to feel like a kind of a, a, a real drop-off. Um there's stuff that probably in terms of the on-demand, like a lot of the comedy stuff would obviously be better live. We were discussing this earlier on about mm. whether or not comedy matches, how well they transport in the VOD. And really outside of Torriyanu, there's a, there, you know, there can be real struggles depending on who it is that you're seeing. I enjoy a lot of the mid-card because there is a, there is a role 
there for them and a lot of the undercard is worth as well for the just ridiculous number of sort of fledgling talents that are coming through in ott i was talking about this with again another topic that we were talking about earlier on is it kind of there is a class of 92-esque element to this on an irish independent wrestling level where you've got davis as like the first one that's that's coming through i said he was like beckham joe said he was like sort of ryan gigs coming through and then you've got your Raven Creeds uh, uh, and your LJ Cleary mm. and your Michael May um, and your Curtis Murrays and and all of this sort of undercard bubbling underneath that could be really good. And I think where we're going to really see them and why it's worth watching them is their stories are developing along as they themselves grow. So you can see uh, when Scotty Davis gets a chance for the world title – that's going to be a really big deal to that crowd. And that's why that crowd is so invested. So it's worth watching, even if some of the comedy stuff is obviously very broad, works a lot with Irish stereotypes. So if you're not entirely familiar with those, they may not necessarily be the kind of thing that floats your boat. But for me, I've enjoyed watching them and I will probably go back and watch the rest of this card because I quite enjoy watching the angel cruisers Mm. and Kings of the North, but I can get why people don't have the time to do it. Well, I'm one of those that doesn't have the time. They're they're appealing to an Irish fan base. So they've got you on board, obviously. (laughs) And that's where they're based ultimately. And they've got, yeah, yeah, I'm not not having a go at that. But at the same time, they've got like the eyes of the world on them right now, haven't they? Because like I, the big thing I would say about them is that they're leaving Brit Rez in the dust as far as main event storytelling goes, as far as main event matches go, as far as attention goes. Like people I know were constantly talking about pro like I was talk- I did the progress year in review with Suit Williams and he was outright saying to me, You know what, next year I'm probably just gonna review OTT. <laughs> I'm not so sure I'm gonna review progress next year. OTT because of the presentation of it, because of the great hype videos mm. on Devil and Star and the and this big main event story and these big matches that everyone's talking about that people should go out and see. They've kind of got the attention of the world on them right now, haven't they? Um, yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, that, that undercard, even if it isn't quite as strong yet, uh, it, it's at least going to have more eyeballs on it from that point of view. Yeah, I think one of the things I'll say for him as well is I think you can watch OTT and you can cherry pick in, a, in the way that you might pick like a early 90s All Japan, hmm. where... I've watched a lot of 90s All Japan, but I've not watched a lot of the undercard. Yeah. I've watched lots of the main event style stuff because there's like a through line um, and this constantly evolving story from sort of sort of 88, 89, th- right through the 90s, if anything. And OTT feels like they've got like a similar vibe going on right now in that main event scene with these constantly unfolding stories with these new layers added each show if anything so yeah it it's a long way off becoming <laughs> 90s all japan i don't think that's at all possible but there's a little bit of a reminder uh for it uh, of it for me with how you can follow these main events like i think if you haven't seen the ott you can just sort of really pick it up from last year really and watch the big matches or pick it up from the devlin push which mm. seems to start with that Moose match, when you had him uh, in the opening match against Matt Cross at um, 
the National Stadium show in the summer of 2017, where he kind of declared that Jordan Devlin was coming for the title as the import killer and all the rest of it. And then from there on, really, that's where those main events and that narrative has really developed, if anything. So, yeah, I'm one for me. I can't watch comedy matches anymore on VOD. I feel like I'm wasting my time. Um, live, they're a great break and they do a lot for me. Um, Toriyano in the G1 does a lot for me, but mm. comedy on VOD at this mm. point, eh, I'd rather watch an episode of a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, any other notes on the OTT? I mean, we should probably save Pat and Walter mm. for the next thing we're going to talk about because I think it ties in well. Um, any thoughts on Ilya Iria or on that Osprey uh, tag, JP? Uh, the Osprey tag was very good. Scotty Davis is is very good as well. It was the it was a better besties match than the one that that we got to see at um, high stakes. Um, also, in terms of Ilya Iria, it was really good. I mean, it was kind of slightly bad luck that it was going obviously at number two after that Devlin oh, Star match. What a death spot! I mean, it, I, I said yeah. it myself. It was like a good a good match happening in an absolute vacuum. It was just <laughs> weird to watch on the VOD. It was a good match, and I personally, and I know I don't know you two haven't been as as sort of hot on him, but I've enjoyed Irie while he's been over. Generally, I've had kind of low expectations. I didn't expect the earth from him, and, and mm. he's been absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, once you get beyond the the first three matches, go and watch watch the tag with Osprey and Dave, just because. Osprey's ridiculous as well. Uh, Davis is awesome as well for a guy yeah, of yeah. his age, and he's it's so insane. far along. It's ridiculous. Eighteen, like he's a proper prodigy, mm. and it faced Liger as Scrapper oh, Mania. That's such well. great booking. That's just like because Liger. Yeah. I mean, I know the Irish are, are excited because Liger's never been out there, and it's a great thing. But you know, I'd to get me excited for a Liger match at this point. It's like ah, it'll be fun. It'll be, it, it reminds me of that uh, the Rev Pro show in 2015 when he headlined with AJ Styles, and I was like ah, you know, it's a Liger match at, at this point. Uh, he's still he's still a legend, but I'm not that excited. Him and Scotty Davis makes me excited. That dynamic, I think, is going to be really interesting. Even you know if it you know Liger's probably going to go over, but you never know. OTT, oh. OTT are masters of this political game, so maybe maybe they can put Scotty Davis over. But that's a really interesting match, isn't it? Even if it is a you know a, a, an easy Liger win if they go that route. Um, <sighs> but there's always a chance. Well, it's after Liger Ishimori, which I think is March 6th. Oh, that's key, yeah, yeah. 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 So he hasn't got his title shot. Mm. So I don't think Liger's beaten Ishimori. So if he's not got the belt... And he's not got maybe a massive match at the MSG show. I could see Davis going over potentially. It'd be nice for him to go over. I think he should be going over. <laughs> yeah, it's just it makes me think back to a lot of we're going to be talking about sort of Rev Pro booking in terms of New Japan <laughs> and where we've seen how this has ended up with New Japan. I think you can book it in a particular yeah. way though. I think no, with this won't you hurt can. Davis at all. Oh God, no. the, game, so. the fact he's having the match with Liger and he's got that kind of eyeballs on him as well is fantastic to see. I mean, I'm I'm personally for him. This must be amazing, and what an amazing opportunity as well. Because if he can have a really good match with Liger, I mean, God knows the kind of doors and eyeballs that it opens. Even though he's so young, and he shouldn't really be going sort of everywhere at that, at that point in time. Uh, it's going to be there, really, isn't it? For the moment yeah. where Liger raises his hand at the end of the match, no matter the result, and they've got their picture moment that they can put into montages promoting Scotty Davis as he goes forward, yeah. and that's what it should be there for. And I'm yeah. sure the match will be good fun mm-hmm, for sure. Um, you both alluded to uh, to New Japan politics there, so 
Shall we talk? Mm. Shall we talk ice dogs? Shall we talk the yes. big weekender? Um, <laughs> I made my trip down to the start of our weekend last weekend. It feels like a lifetime ago now, but made my trip on a much delayed uh, London, London Midland was it? The West Midland train service down to London. Caught up with you guys. We had a we had a nice pint. We went to York Hall. I kind of left a little bit thinking, uh, I don't know how, how quickly I'm going to come back to you. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but how quickly I'm going to come back to your call. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something about the experience on this night, and we, we can get into why. Uh, maybe think, ah, yeah, well, I, I, maybe I'd cool it on uh, on rushing back to your call unless they put something big on. There's been that big Voices of Wrestling article about the the state of, of Rev Pro uh, by Neil David that we should talk about. JP, you were. Uh, Chatting with her uh, with men of supreme power in the stands. Uh, I don't really know where to start here. Where where, where should we start with this uh, with this high stakes uh, night out that we had? Well, first of all, if Joe's beer corner was to return, yeah, let's start it off on a on a, on a good note. On oh, the red chair. Oh, the Great Eastern uh, IPA. Oh my 72% god. Oh, red church. That is Joe's beer of the week. <laughs> on um, on post, Martin was uh, making fun of me for falling off my chair in the Red Church Brewery. <laughs> right now, like in my defence, I got there very late, and there was about twenty minutes before showtime, and I got there, and every one of you seemed wasted, and I was like, "What? Why is everyone so pissed?" Yeah. And then I had two bottles of that, and I was feeling it myself. That's some strong, potent stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a quality beer. Oh, Matt, that's such a good beer. It's the reason I had to re-watch the show. That's it. Was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, I really am going to be doing this a disservice because I, I was quite pissed. Oh, same. Um, I mean, I remember what was going on. I wasn't paralytic. I think you started drinking a bit earlier. But, but I did. I met up, met up with Gareth uh, from Graplap. Mm. And, and yeah, we'd had, a, we, we'd had a few by that point as well. And we're men of a certain age, so, you know, it hits us that yeah, bit harder. Yeah, when you're into the uh, 40s, eh? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, just out in Gareth. Yes, thanks for that. <laughs> did you did you see the photo? We talked about Arn Anderson before. Somebody posted a photo of Arn Anderson when he was thirty seven, as compared oh. to Finn Balor at thirty seven. And it was like <laughs> yeah, he could have been his dad. Uh, so you, you're beating Arn Anderson at least, JP. You've got that. Yeah, that's true. You're looking, you're looking good, mate. You look I, well. I, as does Gareth. I, I definitely that's it. would. Um, thanks. That's fine. What was I going, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, that great Eastern stuff, though, 7.2%. I even got a free round because this couple, when me and my girlfriend went to see Britney Spears in August, this couple who worked there, well, this couple, well, this, the two, the barman and the barmaid were clearly a couple and they had a bit of a lover's tiff. And the barmaid kept talking to my girlfriend, the barman kept talking to me. And we had a great time and I managed to get a free drink out of them as well. Went back this time. I saw him kissing behind the bar. <laughs> then they had an argument when I bought my round. So I ended up getting a free round. I walked away from the bar with the drinks. Didn't charge me. I was like, get in. Round was about 15 quid. <laughs> I then had watched a snooker documentary in the week where Steve Davis was DJing in that brewery. I was like, this is interesting. What's going on here? <laughs> and then I started asking the guy if that was where Steve Davis DJed. He was like, you know about Steve Davis DJing here? Then me and him had a chat about Steve Davis and his DJing career. And he was like, for that, mate, you can have a free drink. What are you having? So I got like £20 worth of free drink out of the place that night as well. Nice. So, yeah, this weird couple that work in Red Church Brewery carry on having lovers' tiffs while I'm in the bar because I'm benefiting from it in a big way. <laughs> a fantastic bar. One that I highly recommend. 
Yeah. Oh, Best oh. part of the night, that bar, wasn't it? You know yeah. what? It was. It was my favourite part of the trip, really, again, apart from falling <laughs> off a chair. JP turning up with his mate. Uh, good times. Yeah. Who was your mate? It, uh, Jonathan Gresh. No, no, no. You came over to our table and went, hey, guys, uh, th- this is John. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're like... um. Brad Pitt, aren't you? You got rid of Jennifer Aniston and Matt Riddle, and now you've got Jonathan Gresham, you're Angelina Jolie. There was a story on the Andy and Andy podcast this week about Gresham winding up in Portsmouth rather than his hotel in Heathrow. That's not my fault. Any comment, right. JP? <laughs> that is entirely your fault. That's not my fault. You are responsible. I'm not responsible. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little adventure as well. Went to see a bit of uh, Lucha Britannia yeah, during the main. I, I, no idea Wait, that was on. Like that there was, was fucking weird. Go there on. was a there was a girl who I used to. Um, uh, she was one of my students from a college that I taught at a good few years ago. Mm. Involved in the sort of main event. It was like right. Wasn't expecting that in the slightest. More like as a kind of um, as a valet. Mm. But yeah, I was there. Yeah, we watched a bit of that main event and then we came and joined you at the Red Shirt. <laughs> weird because well, we were walking past afterwards and I saw a ring set up and I walked in and was like, I just walked into the Resistance Gallery, never been there before, and bumped into um, Greg Burridge. But I forgot his first one. I was like, ah, oh, Burridge. <laughs> sort of got a, yeah, you're all right, mate. Well, so he, like, he was yeah. Darren for a while. Yeah, was it Darren Greg? I Darren and Greg. I think he was both, yeah. Yeah, 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 and then I was like, oh, Team Shag. Yeah, mate, yeah. You've been over the Yorkel, have you? Like, yeah. What's been going on here, then? Little show afterwards. I don't know anything about it. I'd have been up for going if I knew about we it. We yeah. talked about it on this podcast. We might have talked other people into going. We had a whole group of us wrestling fans who have been happily walked over. Yeah, that's such a weird thing. Yeah, I've had a few more uh, while watching some Lucha Britannia with... Yeah. yeah. Well, you would have been with your mate John's. So you'd have been ignoring us. <laughs> better friends now. Hey, you? Hey, he's got other uh, friends other than John. No. I mean, if we're going to talk about the positives. And where's John now, mate? In Japan. Yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> here we go. That's what we're getting to. <laughs> Crux of the issue. Who else did you get chatting to, uh, JP, on that night? You made some other friends? More powerful friends, huh? Uh, I did. Um, well, it's funny because. During the main event, I ended up um, get someone slid into me DMs, said I wanted to have a, you know, <laughs> uh, Tony Khan said he wanted to have a quick conversation. I thought, oh, fuck off. All right, here we go. And so and I went, all right, I'll go upstairs. I'll humour him. So after the match was finished, because I'm a stickler like that, I wanted to see everything to the very end. He he called me over. He wanted a photo. I let him have a photo for it. It's not a very good one, but I let him have that photo. And in, yeah, basically told me the entirety of his three-year strategy. <laughs> and um, here's, a, here's a bit of a scoop. Just going to mention the name Vince Russo. <laughs> See, people's gonna, people so are going to run with this now. He knows his shit. He knows how to format a television show. So Spotlight's J.P. Houlihan said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please. Libel. His dad's a billionaire. You're yeah. going to get fucked. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for, for, I really should rethought that one, shouldn't I? Disclaimer: none of, making this, up a load of lies. Disclaimer: none of this really happened. Mechashote, mechashote.bigcartel.com posted. Uh, <laughs> I think he took a photo, didn't he, of, of Big Toe and JP during? Was it during the main event or the semi-main event? Yeah, you disappeared. I just ran up the stairs. I thought I've got to do that. It's as close as I'll ever meet. As close as I'll ever get to meeting, say Vince McMahon. 
you know. And in the same weekend, I've met two of the big power brokers in world wrestling in, in photos next to them. So I think that's, you know, that's it. I, next time Ghetto runs past, say, crack in booking and drag him in for a quick fight. I've worked my way through all of them. <laughs> Harold May at the Copper Box, watch out. I'm I'm gunning for you. Uh, that's definitely going to be the episode photo, by the way. No, no doubt. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what me, you and Tony Khan have in common? What's that? Callum Chambers. But anyway... <laughs> When are me, you and Tone hanging out? Well, he said to me, he said to me he was going to try and make his way to Blackpool for Road to Glory. But well, he MJF wasn't. was there. Exactly. He should, he should have come up there with him. But... MJF is your mate, wasn't he, JP? He gave you uh, a thumbs up. Oh, stared right through me. Proper <laughs> Loving it. Love it. He was like, he was next to him. And he just sort of just stared right through me. And I was like, okay. Like, because all, all I went was, all right. And then, thought brilliant that's the way he should be doing it i mean he's an absolute pro didn't mention his promo from the ott show (laughs) (laughs) making jokes about the potato family i mean you'll you know i think the last time someone got away with that that might have been alan partridge or my i'm alan partridge (laughs) well if if we're gonna talk the show i suppose we should start with him because he had a hell of a weekend didn't he like he had yeah, the great performance yes. in Rev Pro. Like, a, to be honest, possibly the match of the night in Rev Pro. In PCW, he was killing it on the mic. Mm. And then in OTT on the Sunday, he was killing it on the mic as well. Uh, I walked away from this weekend, big fan of MJF. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his, in terms of his ring work as well, which is the thing that I thought, well, maybe he's not going to be particularly good in that. But no, particularly that El Fantasmo match. I mean, I thought that was, you know, great stuff. And he more than sort of held up his end of the bargain. Um it really makes you think that AEW are sort of really on to something with this guy, that this is the guy who could be like their big breakout heel. And they're positioning that within that um, in terms of being the elite as well mm-hmm. and where he's going to end up. Because that moment he turns on Cody is going to be, you know, fantastic. And it's he absolutely works in. He's what, 23, is he? 22? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I was a big fan of that match. The, uh, the El Fantasmo dive was incredible. All yeah. inspiring to see live. Uh, it's like perfect. Uh, a, a match that, that probably shouldn't have worked on paper, that, that absolutely worked. Uh, that I mean, I think that, if we're going to talk, maybe stick on the positive for now because there's a lot of negative mm. to come. That and the Besties White Wolf tag, which surprisingly was the best tag match on the night, uh, were probably my yeah. two main highlight takeaways. If I was going to tell people to... I mean, obviously there's the main event, but there's there's reasons maybe not to check that out. But as, as far as my highlights from the show, yeah, it was those two big matches. Yeah, I think the ELP as well has been in a role in Rev Pro recently. And for a long time I've been saying there's just that little bit missing, mm. and I'm not sure he's fully there yet. He's, he's getting there. He's mm. definitely getting there. I think he needs... coming uh, out, isn't it? Just a little definitely. bit more. Definitely. There's some really standout moments from this match as well. MJF was almost like the perfect foil for his offense as well and the type of stuff that he was hitting and the way that MJF was getting heat before El Fantasma would hit a big move, helped to get over that a little bit more. Crowd really ate El Fantasma up, I thought, here. Really were into him. Mm. He was. He seems to get over more and more with the York Hall crowd of every show. He was massively over against Desperado. But I think he had a match against Osprey in York Hall last year, which was a bit of a disappointment, mm. and he didn't get massively over with the crowd. But ever since then, he's really gone from strength to strength, and he feels like he's gotten used to working in front of a crowd of that size as well. He knows how to get him into his big spots. He knows how to sort of 
make a moment in a match as well where he's hitting those big spots. I think he, what he needs, he needs that really, really, really big match at Yorkville because the Osprey match was the one, but he's not had it since. I think him having a ladder match with David Starr will be mm. a massive opportunity to put him well and truly over the top. I really hope they do a good job of building it as well because we, we've seen what Starr can do as a heel when you build him as a heel against a kind of pure baby face and they need to nail the dynamic before the match and make sure that it's completely concrete and make sure El Fantasma is over to the level he needs to be but I think he needs that massive Yorkle match and that massive Yorkle moment to really establish himself as a proper guy in Rev not to say he's not but it's yeah. like a main in Rev Pro yeah. I even think a match say with Zack Sabre Jr a Yorkle show where Zack really gives him a lot and he goes really close against someone like a Zack or maybe another Osprey match would be, do, would do wonders for him at this point as well. Because look, look what happened to David Starr after the Ishii match as well. That really cemented him, I think, with a lot of people mm. last year. I think El Fantasma just needs that little moment and it'll be absolutely fine to be away. I was about to say, I mean, we've got... There's an idea, Joe, about him and David Starr in a ladder match. That could work. <laughs> That'd be a good big match for him. Yeah, it would have been nice to have had it on this show as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. <sighs> big hole in the show. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on Besties White Wolf? That uh, I was raving about that one. I enjoyed that. I kind of like that uh, both... I mean, people know Team White Wolf, but the Besties kind of came in with not a huge reaction, and neither did White Wolf, and they kind of, again, like I said earlier, delivered the tag match that the other tag match in the show wasn't. I almost wish... They had the extra 15 minutes that that other tag got. Um, it was one of those indie tags where the ref looks like a bit of a dope um, because everyone's in the ring at all times. But that was one, I, even though I'd had a few beers, I enjoyed live and enjoyed a lot on the, uh, the VOD when I rewatched it. Yeah, I think you're right. It was, a, it was a good kind of messy indie tag match where mm. at points it felt like the guys didn't have maybe loads of chemistry and weren't that familiar with one another, but that sort of helped it yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Mm. Like, made it stand out that little bit more because not everything was overly clean. Um, it seemed like there were a couple of communication issues, but they managed to still have like a really fun yeah. match, if anything. That Spanish fly spot was a bit oh, scary yeah. when going back to that. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, I think White Wolf are another one, though, that I hope they keep getting booked on York Hall shows mm. because they get no crowd there um, and they're doing the right sort of stuff on York Hall shows as well. Like They did lots of stuff here that stood out and got them over on the night. Cockpit shows, they've been great. Um, I hope they just keep coming back and they keep getting good matches every month. Maybe if they are, they're probably going to go with that triple threat tag match, aren't they? I was going to say a match of an Aussie opener, a CCK at a York Hall show would really benefit them. But after CCK's recent performance mm. at York Hall, maybe not so much. Mm. Yeah. Should we talk about that? The neg- That was probably the big negative from the, from the night. That was like, that was probably the worst tag oh. match I've ever seen. We've just raved about Jonathan Gresham being JP's mate, but even we can't hold back on that because that was literally the worst tag match I think I've ever seen live. And the just an absolute shit-the-bed performance in front of Big Tone and after that previous <laughs> tag that absolutely tore the, tore the house down uh, at the end of last year. I, just honestly, like, what 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 were they thinking? Like, from Epic, from, from that... From an epic first match to to this, like they just they did the Shikara. They went out there and did an attack match, did the Shikara match. They did a yeah. Chris Brooks comedy ex- exhibition 
it was just shockingly bad and i don't think from gareth to martin to us guys i don't speak to, don't think i spoke to anybody who had a positive word to say about that thing no i checked out actually when i was putting my ratings onto the grapple app and had a look and it was somewhere just over two is what people what people had given it and that's uh, based on sort of a number of what about 40 or so i mean that's you know for those people to have seen it and thought that i mean i can remember at points turning around both of you just going why is nothing happening Mm. like nothing's happening it's just shtick endless shtick at a place where you know let's face it the reason the york hall shows are famous for the sort of classic matches and the big matches and i remember seeing aussie open beat um, the Chosen Bros there and that being sort of like a really big moment and well, obviously this was a rematch of the yeah great... of of the great CC I mean you mm. know there was no reason for the for the match to have been like this that's the most baffling thing mm. I can't think of who thought this is a good idea mm. this is what we should do for it what what was it trying to achieve now uh, first of all, I can't believe you've just spoken shit about your mate behind his That's back. True. I think you're a bad friend. I can't... It's recorded on my podcast. Oh, big tones, uh, listen. Some of no, the things yeah. you must say about me behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I tease you a lot today, aren't I? You are, you are. <laughs> um, you I'll stop now. Um, Get him back in Germany, JP. Oh, oh, he's I got will. plenty of getting back to do. Trust yeah. me. Oh, I will do. Um, what was I saying? Live on stage. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. One of the things about this show generally is it felt like it was a show that revolved around trying to create strong heels mm. in a world where it's quite hard to get over as a proper heel in front of an independent wrestling crowd. And I'll go into that in a bit more detail uh, as we go over some of the other matches. But this match really reminded me of the Chris Brooks Irie match at the cockpit a couple of weeks before. Mm. So it was played out like a comedy match where Chris Brooks was trying to get almost like tongue in cheek heel heat that everyone just was prepared to sort of play along with, sort of boo hiss sort of stuff. And in the cockpit, it worked because you're in a really intimate environment where he can interact with the crowd Mm. and the crowd can play along with what's going on. Lycos was there on the outside as well. He played into it quite nicely, had some spots of that like sign they like to use and all the rest of it. And there was lots of stalling. There was lots of moments where he would throw Irie in the crowd and then sort of pose and get some heat based on that. And the layout of it and the formula that was sort of in place very felt very reminiscent of what i'd seen a few weeks before now the two environments are just polar opposites Mm. it's clear that they're trying to get chris brooks and cck over his heels in rev pro i don't know if it's working um i think chris brooks personality at the merch table as we've spoken about a million times Mm. lovely bloke um people know he's a lovely bloke people sort of boo him tongue-in-cheek I don't know whether they should carry on with trying to push him as a heel. I think at this point they just need to go with him as yeah. b- face Chris Brooks, if anything, yeah. because you're going to get the best at aggression if you go with that as well. This didn't play to three of the men in this match's strengths 
at all. This was the worst Aussie Open match I've ever seen. And yeah, a formula might work in front of 200 fans who are regulars, but it's not going to work in front of 1,200 fans, a thousand of which might not be regulars. Um, yeah, I think they really needed to think about what they were doing, especially when the match was hyped and advertised as a rematch to one of the best tag matches of last year. And that tag match last year was a fucking great match. Maybe the best match we saw at York Hall last year. And then they come and deliver this absolute stinker. Yeah, it was just a mess, wasn't it? And I think a big part of yeah. it is that. And that's kind of what killed the main event in a lot of ways for me. It's this this need to try and get Chris Brooks over. It's this this heel in Rev Pro and this weird Twitter-led feud with Osprey they're trying to use to get him over as well. He's just... Mm. He's just He's, yeah, he's just not the right guy for it. Yeah, they're trying to like you know they're going back and forth uh, on Twitter to build heat for this. I wouldn't know, mate. View that <laughs> that nobody cares about. Just yeah, uh, that kind of speaks to a lot of my ne- uh, negativity about the show. I know we slag off Chris Brooks a lot. I love the CCK team though. I love Ian and Gresham. Yeah. Ian and Gresham, how good were they at tag Lee JP? Like that was like they were a highlight oh, of that weekend. Um, Chris Brooks on his day is one of the best tag team wrestlers in the world mm. like in terms of the amount of opponents that he the amount of people he can work with mm. and the way that he can interact with them and I genuinely believe that mm. but yeah this not this yeah. this stuff is awful yeah. yeah I think they're going to be well aware of this as well though, yes they? they will do and they're smart enough mm. and and it's and it, let's be honest in tags when have these guys ever missed they're they're consistent performers. oh absolutely everyone's allowed a miss mm. once in a while yeah yeah ronaldo scored an own goal in the in midweek didn't he well i know it was awarded to diego godin but even the most flawless of us can slip up once in a while so yeah yeah let's hope this doesn't happen again definitely should we talk the main event then considering uh, <laughs> it ties into some of what we said there. i mean i want to yeah. I do want to tie it into, like I said, that Neil David article. If you haven't read it, do. It's on Voices of Wrestling. Uh, Bowling Alone is is Rev Pro okay. I mean, I just want to read a quick bit of it. He, he, he goes through, you know, the New Japan relationship, uh, potential trust issue with Rev Pro and it fans. And I just think he sums up this main event perfectly. He says, Pat goes through half an hour of grueling action only to hit a low blow and beg for the DQ. There's no reasonable justification for this. If it was for Heath, it would have been nonsensical. Tybalt believed he was fighting for the honour of his family. Scar thinks he should have been king. And the sticky bandits just want to make ends meet. Why did Pac the Bastard hit Osprey in the dick? I have no idea. He goes on to say the talk of BritRes Twitter has been embarrassing. How embarrassing the booking is and how disappointing the results are. They can book all the dream matches they want. But RevPro is quickly building a reputation of a company that doesn't deliver. Harsh. No, I think he's hit the nail on the head, if I'm honest with you. Um, No, and this is coming from someone who's, you know, Rev Pro is probably my favourite promotion. Certainly the promotion. Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Certainly the promotion that I've followed most consistently in the UK. But I think we came out of the worst York Hall show ever on Friday. And even though I had a great time on on that Friday, The feeling that the show sort of gave a lot of us was not a good one. Um, it was a very kind of, I don't know, quite a drab feeling, quite apathetic in a way. And one of the reasons I think for this as well is I spoke about all the kind of building of strong heels. And I felt that the show was all about making heels and maybe trying to pay stuff off later and getting people over. So if you just sort of go through the card a little bit, we'll come to Pac Osprey in a minute. 
you had the CCK stuff, which was a match based around trying to get Brooks and Gresham over his heels. And the match quality suffered as a result of that. And people weren't happy about that because people are paying to see great matches. Let's be honest, right? You even had this Zoe Lucas B Priestley match, which I thought for the time they got, they did a good job. But then we got this awful, awful heel based finished out of nowhere again. That was all kinds of screwy. I think Chris Roberts got into four, didn't he as well? So you got that that left a horrible taste in the mouth. You then, after the White Wolf match, have Josh Bodum and Shah Samuels coming into a beatdown on them as well, which is kind of like, all right. And Helico shite, so the, little, the less said about him, the better. But Josh Bodum, who I love, as a heel, went over him as well. And then we had the thing with Samuels after that. The only real moment that we got when he faces really had a sort of moment in the sun on the show was El Fantasmo against MJF. We then, the pack Osprey match, which is meant to be this dream match where we all leave on a high. Mm. I don't think anyone left at a high no. because you booked, you book a 30 minute draw, but you may as well have booked a DQ because you don't book it. You don't, the, the ending wasn't booked in the way that a 30 minute draws finish should be booked. It was booked as almost like a DQ. So if there's a low blow there. That's a DQ finish. I'll carry on. Oh, so there might be a conclusive finish. Now I'm just going to put some heat on myself by putting my middle fingers up to the crowd when I can hit this move and win. Yeah. What? Doesn't make any sense. So you've booked a draw that feels like a DQ. What's the point? Mm. So that's mm. sort of four or five matches that end with the this kind of heelish rubbish where it feels like they're thinking more about how to get these strong heels as characters over rather than delivering kind of match-wise on the night. And yeah, I get that you want to try and get these characters over, but I just think there's a slightly better way to go about that than doing crappy finishes over and over again. Now, this is leading on. I know that there were only 200 people at the Pack Zack Sabre Jr. match, but I've never seen people leave the cockpit like that people usually leave those shows in a massive high mm. think of that december yeah. show that we left the alphantasma david star match that was a great finish to a mm. great match really great piece of booking but a month later we're leaving feeling pissed off paying 10 pound more for a ticket because packs on the show as well and that's why we're paying 10 pound more and they book another dq in that when they started teasing a draw so that's two shows where red pro haven't delivered with pack on Two shows that I thought they'd make a killing on the VOD on. And I predicted both shows would go to a draw. Sorry, both matches would go to a draw. And one of them did. One of them ended in a DQ. But everyone felt kind of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And at the result, and it left a bad taste of the mouth. So there's no satisfaction. There's no first for another match, if Mm. you ask me. Osprey's trying Um, to tease it as well. Like, what's he teasing? Like, why... Why would anyone want to... See, I mean, yeah, you want to see two of the best in the world, but like, if it's going to be like this again, like, yeah, it, it's a tough sell for me to get me to want, want to see it again. Uh, and like I say, to make a trip to your hall again, just, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. This is the thing, isn't it? I mean, we obviously are all aware of the politics. Mm. How many of that crowd at York Hall are aware of the politics that go on? But between us, we're like, okay, well, this... I'd say people this is going to be a draw. I'd say people know. I mean, that's yeah. People know because like that's the big pushback, yeah. JP, isn't it? People keep saying. People keep saying to me like I've had this conversation with other people, and they'll go, "Well, yeah, but you know, you knew it was coming. So what did you expect?" And it's like, well, even though well, I knew it was coming, it was still shit. It was still crap. It was. Here's, still a, here's a crazy idea. Deflating. 
a 30-minute absolute great match that ends in a draw that makes you want to see a rematch. 100%. And that you think potentially yeah. a few months down the line when titles aren't involved and you see what the lay of the land is, mm. maybe you can build to that point where you go, no time limit. Yeah. It also doesn't help that the show that they introduced, the time limit thing, oh. on, which has become this big thing, is on the night that they did Pack versus Zach. <laughs> now, if you knew that that was where you were going to have to go at that particular uh, point in time, why wouldn't you try and you try and introduce it as soon as possible, the moment you can start getting it in, you know? And that's and that's another part of it as well. It doesn't help that every time there's an announcement, everyone starts booing. Yeah, like I do think people have been a bit over the top on that stuff, and I didn't get the general dislike of it. It didn't bother me when they started doing the cockpit. I think the boo and the expected but, finish, aren't they? The boo and what they know is yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but if, yeah, you're right. It feels like it's channeling something. And I sort of get why you'd attempt it and why you'd give it a go. Mm. But it, I know it's only a couple of shows, but I don't know if it's worked. And also, the ring announcer... That ring announcer, Dan, he hasn't helped himself anyway with some of the stupid mistakes he's made. Open the navigator. He's made mistakes in his entrance Sammy before. Zane. He Sammy. called Sammy Jane, Sammy Zayn. He sort of seems quite... The TV like, taping. Yeah, he seems quite, quite like effortless at times with his announcements. And he messed up calling, didn't he call Osprey Open? What was it? The Open the Navigate Champion. Oh. He's got no credibility as a rig announcer anyway. And we're all desperate for the great Andy Quilden to come back and do his great ring announcing once again um, because he's so much better than this damn bloke. I understand Quilden's got a lot on his he's plate. especially If they can get a good commentator to replace him, I'll take him on ring announcing instead. Ah, oh, absolutely. He's a great <laughs> ring announcer. And this Dan guy just has no credibility with the fans. And people see him as a bit of a joke. And these five-minute announcements are not helping that. And it's causing kind of quite negative feeling in the room at different points mm. in time. Um, I think they need to replace him. I think they've got to get rid of him and they need to reconsider these ring announce, these five-minute announcements. Because as much as they're aligned with New Japan, I just think culturally it's maybe not something that people want in this country. I'm cool with time limits, but maybe just don't try and channel it if anything, because it feels like it's been brought in for this Or match. you only mention it five minutes near the end to remind people of it, rather than every five minutes, yeah. which is, you know, which is annoying as much as anything else, because you, you are, as you said, Benno, constantly reminding people that mm. what the finish is going to yeah. be. I think it almost be worse. And even if they take it away now, it'll be like, well, that's obviously the only reason they did it was purely these two matches. Like, I almost Ooh. think that'd make it worse. Simmons on commentary says, "Shouldn't it? It should really be every ten minutes, if anything." <laughs> Which I was, you know, when you've got your, co- you know, your co-commentator saying that, you really do have to look at what's happened with it. They tore into the ring announce on commentary as well. Do you mm. hear that when he messed yeah, up? Yeah. They really tore into him. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I really think that they need to sort that out. <laughs> you know, what, I'm available if you want me to come and do some ring announcing. Give us a call. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> uh, I've done it before, but I wasn't good. So yeah, don't call me. Uh, <laughs> I'll make you come back, Benno. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, any other thoughts on, on this match or, or the show in general? Yeah, I've got a, a few thoughts <laughs> on the match, honest with you. Um, sorry, I may bore you here. No, um, go for it. Like, as a match, I've seen a lot of people raving about the match. I had Dave Meltzer saying it was the second best match this year. No. 
I've watched it twice. I don't understand how people are talking Jesus. about Four stars Pack. maximum. That's what I gave it on Those painkillers yeah. he must be on must be seriously heavy duty then in that case. Yeah. Was he yeah. like... Yeah, was he not paying attention when the CCK running happened? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's that stuff as well, though. Like, from a character point of view, Pac's character is all over the place. Mm. So him mm. and Osprey are having this great match when CCK come in, and they're aware they're having this great match. So they take CCK out to set up a tag match in New York. But then Pack low blows him, even though he's aware he's having a great match and he got rid and and he spun uh, you know spawned an opportunity that could have been presented to him as CCK running in. But then they're still tagging together. Like okay, if this was a thirty minute epic and raised each other's hands at the end and it was like cool, we'll have a rematch down the line. But let's team up and get rid of those CCK bastards. It would make a bit more sense. But they've kind of made that running kind of null and void and the pack and osprey relationship null and void all at the same time mm. the character stuff with pack it feels like he's so committed to this i'm going to say it crap heel character it's really dull it's really boring it's not very original i like his promos but people wanted pack back on the british indie scene to come in and wrestle a kind of hot likable style they didn't want this negative annoying heel heat that he, he's so desperate to get constantly and i really do question how long he's going to continue to draw for at this stage if he carries on with this sort of stuff because there's a lot of ill feeling towards him <laughs> and rev pro after this match if anything and you know i was considering going to the show in northampton and packs on it and the company aren't doing too well at the moment i don't know if i'm going to go um you know he's on another show that i'm going to at the cockpit at the end of the end of march it makes me not look forward to it i yeah i want to see pack be a baby face basically mm. um and be likable whereas at the moment what he's doing is not drawing people in yeah he's a great wrestler obviously he's a really great worker there was some stunning stuff in this match but ultimately a match is a sum of all of its parts mm. there are some stunning moments in gangs of new york but it's an absolute mess of a film even though there's there are some insane set pieces in there and some great acting some great character work but it doesn't all fit together and diaz and dicaprio have no chemistry in there whatsoever let's be honest i'm not very impacted <laughs> And Osprey and Pack yeah. had some serious chemistry, but it was wasted with shenanigans, yeah. shenanigans, and terrible, terrible, terrible booking. I've never seen a crowd leave a York Hall show so frustrated, but so frustrated because they know what's gone on, but also confused because this could have just been 30 minutes, handshake, let's lift each other's arms. Here comes CCK to ruin the moment. Mm. What are these CCK bastards doing here? Rather than running during the match. Yeah. The, 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 and then have Aussie Open come out, and that looked even worse. They looked embarrassed. The groan. Yeah. We said about the fuck off on uh, the OTT show. Do you hear the groans on the VOD yeah. when the CCK? I think that was us doing the groans. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, come on, like we don't need this stuff. That kind of ties into a really good point that I was going to make. You know, to to reply to what you're saying, Joe, about you know the right way to do it and the right way to book pack. To rewind back to the to the OTT discussion, I think. I still didn't love it, but they got it right. They presented Pac as a babyface against Walter. The DQ yeah. came because Walter pushed the referee. Shitty DQ finish. Didn't love it. But then straight away, they did the sleight of hand. Out comes Devlin. Everyone forgets about it. Pac hits a red arrow. Everyone goes home happy. Did they Did they kind of... I mean, that, that was another situation on the same weekend where everyone knew the screwy finish was coming. 
But I think they did it. I mean, they didn't do a perfect job with it, but they did a far better job with it than, than RevPro did here for all the reasons Joe just mentioned. They've always been able to book better around, or certainly in the last year, they've been able to book around restrictions that they've had. They know how to, to put people on the card and actually get good use out of them. And they got really good use of pack OTT on, on there. But then I can't say anything different to, or new to what yourself or Joe have said so far. I mean, it, it was crushingly disappointing. Mm. And it makes me think, you know, do I really want to go and make the effort to go down and watch these big shows? It's like, I feel like I'm going to have to be sold on the card, which is to a degree where I kind of am with progress a lot of the time now, where it's like, actually, I'm going to see the card. And if it's something that's really going to take my fancy, then I'll make the effort to go and see it. And maybe that's not a bad place for wrestling fans to be, that we are going to be more discerning about where we spend our money. And we've all mentioned about how crucial time is to all of us. If we feel that the promotion isn't going to deliver on its main events, then you kind of wonder what the point is. Mm. And you've mentioned about not wanting to go and see or, um, pack in uh pack and penta at tnt and it kind of like ties in with this doesn't it benno mm. yeah it's a trust issue isn't it and it ties in with what, trust issue. what neil david kind of says in his article is you know he's talking about the new japan relationship and there's a there's a trust for with rev pro to to deliver um and yeah i just don't think they did on this i mean are we being too harsh joe i mean is it no no i don't think we are um i think they've you know i don't think it's how can I put it? It's been a couple of months where this hasn't been good. Mm. I think they can try and rectify this. I think there's a lot of kind of bad feeling with the New Japan relationship generally at the moment as well. Mm. So you look at this show and we had one title yeah. being defended on Oh, and it's the women's that's... title that's not been... Uh, like Nobody cares about the women's belt yet. Yeah. Maybe they will at yeah. some point. But, I mean, it, it's barely a title belt in Rev Pro right now. It doesn't count. Yeah. Maybe I'm a hard And that they couldn't out with Giddy and the WWE stuff and Jamie Hay. It was in stardom for ages as well. So it feels like they've had no consistency with the championships. And when Zack and Suzuki got the tag belts, and for a long time I got the benefit of having it on them, but then you've got a really good tag division in Rev Pro, but the tag belts just are in this distant country. They're screaming out to be used in all of these shows. And they're really kind of missing this at the moment. And then with Star not being on the show as well, like I do think they need a bit of a rethink at this point. And maybe they don't, they shouldn't be booking some of the matches they're booking just for the sake of booking them. Because the appeal of seeing unique matches in New Japan go against British guys it is wearing off a little bit when mm. we're not getting satisfying endings. Obviously, there were no New Japan guys on this show, but the pack match really did leave a bad taste in the mouth. And I'm sort of starting to wonder what the point is of booking pack in these matches mm. when you can't pay it off and you can't satisfy the audience with what they want. Because this audience were not served by this match. I think the audience would have been served by the match if it was half an hour, no interference, no shenanigans, hot ending, hot draw, hits the red arrow on 30 minutes, teases uh, winning the match potentially. Handshake, CCK at the end, big moment. I think people would have gone home really happy. But throwing in the shenanigans with the politics as well does not help. 
I didn't like the Pack Walter match, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think it was because I just knew what was coming. Yeah, that's um, right. I think that really distracted me from actually getting into the match. Um, I thought Pack was good in it, and I preferred him wrestling as a face in the match. But when you know, like for me, when I know that shitty ending's coming, and I know what motivates that shitty ending, I'm thinking to myself, is this like mid-80s all Japan, where politics were paramount in protecting your character and your rep and being a big alpha male was number one and ah uh, i just no time for that bollocks anymore agreed yeah and that's yeah. the problem maybe it's that we know too much uh maybe it's... wait till he finishes up in dragon gate yeah loses the belt in dragon yeah wait till he lo- loses the belt which apparently is the one place where all of this seems to be working apparently apparently well, i watched the pat K- casey match and that yeah. was very good that's the Best pack that and the um, Yoshino match. I was going to say the Sunday Yoshino one. His best two matches, I think, since he's been out wrestling again. It's so outdated. Mm. This stuff about like champions and other feds not being able to lose elsewhere. Like we were at PCW, I know no one was there, but Jeff Cobb and Tom Lawler weren't asked about taking polls. I, I think Tom Lawler on his podcast was outright saying, "Ah, it's different rules in the UK." Like this yeah. whole protecting the belt stuff, just. I don't know, I'd be just tell Dragon Gate to fuck off. It's only Dragon Gate. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah, it, it's just a killer really, isn't it? And that's, you know, we people hear us moan about politics and big companies, you know, like WWE getting involved in the UK scene. And this is a consequence of it all, isn't it? Not just WWE, but with the Japanese organizations as well. They're going to have a lot of control over their guys winning and losing. And yeah, the, uh, the, the super indies, the dream match indies, like a Rev Pro are, unfortunately the ones that suffer yeah it's a massive shame and i think people are going to really sour especially the rev pro audience really sour on pack uh, like in a way that i didn't think they would because i thought he'd come over here he'd be massively over he'd be hot people would want to see him mm. a lot of negativity towards um him being on future shows at the moment which is a real shame and it's going to be really interesting to see how these shows coming up with pack on draw mm. because I was really Especially like a Northampton, which isn't. Yeah, yeah. we were considering going to that, mm. and now him and Brooks in the main that event. Like Brooks is not getting me in. Pack at this point isn't doing a lot for me. Pack's wrestling Southampton as well. You know, I could make a weekend at home of that one potentially. Um, you could see Pack wrestling the place that I uh, experienced glory at the age of fifteen. <laughs> Go <laughs> me and, and my boys uh, back then. Um, but I just yeah. Very little interest again. Um, we'll have to see who he faces as well, I suppose. That does play into the equation as well to some extent. But, yeah, I think next time we see, like, a Pac Osprey announced or a Pac Zach or, I don't know, let's say Pac Marty Skrull if we get Marty back over mm. it and there's politics involved, I think people are going to be really sceptical. Definitely. Um, that tires off for Rev Pro. I mean, the Red, Red Church was good. We had some good beers after the show. Yeah, you know, there's that. Oh, Cracking uh, start. We, we we went back to JP's. Uh, me, Gareth, and and JP left you on the bus to 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 go into the night. And genuinely, like I, I was, I've never had it happen before. But we got on that. It's like what a ninety minute bus journey. Yeah, and I fell asleep pretty much immediately and woke up. It was like a time jump. I was just there. We were in Oxford. Uh, that's how strong <laughs> that beer is. So if there was a, you know, even if we're not recommending the show, I'd uh, definitely recommend that stuff. Uh, and a fun Friday night, even if, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the show wasn't the best. Yeah, good fun afterwards. I mean, it was like you're talking about sort of. We ended up turning it into our own little Fight Club Pro, Fight Club Pro experience, just having it be more of a social show. But mm. 
that wasn't the reason why we were all going in there in the first place That's to it. see. Yeah, we all let off some steam. We did off some a very steam disappointing show, didn't yeah. we? That's yeah. it. We all had a chat after our disappointment. <laughs> well, <laughs> Get after, us through. Uh, after, after a good lie-in, we had a, uh, a road trip up to... Up to Blackpool after all this. Uh, it wasn't enough wrestling for us. Oh. We headed up. Poor Joe, you had to drive. Uh, I think we, we planned on making There were four PCW show, shows going on. £15 for four shows. Uh, whereas for us, it was three shows because there was no chance we were making that one in the afternoon show up in Blackpool. I think that's about what time we set off, wasn't it? Us and, uh, us and Gareth with uh, JP in charge of the radio putting real football factories on. Uh, it was the spotlight road <laughs> trick that, uh, that I think people would imagine us having. Oh, it was listening, Danny Dyer. Yeah, well, I've seen all them real football facts. Which one was it? Was it Man? Was it the Northwest one? Northwest one on, but the London one's my favourite one. (laughs) With like this big Millwall fan and oh god, Jason Mariner, the uh, ex-Chelsea hooligan, who's an absolute scumbag. (laughs) If he dropped dead tomorrow, be no loss because he's a man who went to a concentration camp and laughed at people whose families died. Jesus Christ! Do you not remember the Donald McIntyre? Yeah. Oh god, yeah, the Chelsea one there. Yeah, awful. They're all dickheads. They are. We saw Chelsea fans like one day on the way to Progress, didn't we? Oh, not Chelsea, Millwall, Millwall fans. fans. Yeah, playoff final against Barnsley. Yeah. yeah, pissing up against cars in the street. Anyway, digress. Police car. Yeah, it was a police car, and doing loads of coke in the McDonald's toilets at one in the afternoon as well. Wow. They're a wow. lovely bunch. Classy yeah. fans. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, I'll, the Millwall. Yeah, I'll... St- I'll <laughs> But yeah, our journey up was a bit more civilised than that. We dropped Gareth off in Newton <laughs> Willows to make his trip home and we wound up in Blackpool. We've talked at length about Blackpool. Um, I mean, aside from uh, Potworld and Walkabout being obvious highlights for you, JP, on our night out. Oh, yeah. uh, what did you both make of the PCW shows over the weekend? I am intrigued. It's uh, been a few days now for you to, to gather your thoughts. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say this Road to Glory weekend wasn't as... Uh, wasn't you know up with the level of last year, but it was still fun. Uh, anyone in particular catch your eye over the weekend's shows? Uh, what were some highlights you had? Oh, I mean, we've got a good few highlights from in terms of what was there. Mm. I mean, I have to say, and this is in terms of someone who really stood out, um, Shaykel Sham. We've gone on about him a load of times, but you talk about why that like. NXT UK Performance Center exists. It's someone like him that he would be perfect for them in terms of a fresh star that someone who hasn't been sort of overexposed and we've got used to it because the way that he carries himself is as a star. And you were right, Benno. He's really improved since the last time we saw him within that year. Like really carry, like he doesn't overcomplicate it. He knows what his own limitations are and he just carries himself across like a star even if it's in front of, what, like 100 people in a place that holds, I think you said about 1,500, is that about right? Uh, yeah, it holds, uh, I think it's, I think it is, I think uh, Andy Ogden was telling us that it was about, they had about 1,000 there for, for shows, is, is, I think he was saying in the last couple of years, but yeah, it's a place that could hold as many as that, as many as 1,500, and it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't look good when there's only 100 people there, as good as Sheikh El Shamlock coming out on his throne, which was a hell of a sight. Oh, the shake was very, very good, I've got to say. Um, he's got his whole act down pat. Mm. And he's, mm-hmm. what, like two years in? Yeah. And his entire look, his entire approach, his style, he's got it down. From He's got a 
good bit of height on him as well. He's a good-looking bloke. He can talk. He can talk in the confines of his gimmick really effectively. He's got a presence when he comes out as well. Mm. He can generate heat. He can get sympathy on a baby face like he did with Philip Michael on that day as well. Yeah, he's really got something. He's not like your outstanding all-round in-ring worker, um, but mm. as an all-round character, he's got something to offer. Yeah, that's it. He's like, I wrote the the first one to watch it for Fighting Spirit magazine was about him. And, you know, I don't always get to pick the guys that I write about. So I'm not saying I don't believe everything I write. Of course I believe everything I write. But, <laughs> you know, it's a high particle. But with him, when I wrote it, absolutely no exaggeration there. Like I spoke to him, did an interview with him on the phone, spoke to him a little bit at this show as well. He's such a humble dude. He's, he gets wrestling. And he's really has got something about him. He's got a, a genuine star aura. And for someone who is so young in the business, like he carries he, you know, the, a lot of like the story over the weekend was that buyout stable, wasn't it? Him and Tel Banham are kind of the, the key pieces of that stable. Like uh, the, it's funny, isn't it? Because you don't often see a stable where they've kind of they basically got two leaders. Uh, I think if you can say anything about PCW, it's, it's heavy on heels, isn't it? Um, but yeah. it comes across every bit the star, uh, and yeah, I think I mean a lot of this weekend was them taping for TV, wasn't it? And he's gonna, I think that I think the TV is gonna love him. I think the camera's gonna love him, and I think yeah, uh, people who haven't seen him before are gonna are gonna enjoy uh, what they see on Fight Network UK. If anyone does watch that thing, <laughs> the thing is with Shaco Sham as well is one thing that stood out to me was really evident was when he was wrestling, say Philip Michael. He's a young guy who was probably in his early 20s you look at the shape you can tell he's lived a bit of a life mm. like it feels like there's a real difference in like life experience between the two guys mm. and therefore their overall sort of understanding of how to act in front of a crowd but also um how much confidence they have in front of people in terms of like being themselves as well mm. and knowing exactly who they are and it does really get across how valuable kind of life experience and mm. I don't know, like social skills and stuff can really be if you're getting into the wrestling business and you're becoming a wrestler. Because as you know, Benno, and as we read in your Fighting Spirit magazine, the Sheikh's got a, an interesting background. He's done lots. I think he had a background in football. He's a teacher as well. He's a bouncer as well, as we all know. We saw yeah. the door of the Stanley Arms last didn't year. Remember didn't remember JP, though. I know. <laughs> That's, he can't win them all. <laughs> You, know, you have your Tony Khans and then, you know, Jake Olsham doesn't want to know. Because you ran off with Matt Riddle that night. Nah, he, felt, he felt a sense of rejection, maybe. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> story, story of my life. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Man. It's all right. Um, yeah. What, what was I saying? Yeah, just life experience generally and knowing how to get his character across. Knowing what to wear. Knowing, knowing little things like how to do his hair, what to come out to the ring on. Mm. It was just little things that you could tell the guy was kind of – taken from his experiences and his background and stuff he's just a really impressive guy all round i think i really hope he goes a long way because he's got massive mm. potential one thing i'd really say is like we were, we were obviously there early for a, well for the shows or you'd see like you know him and the rest of the crew kind of setting up and being really approachable to the you know hundred or so fans who were there on occasions and kids are coming up and getting photos and then as soon as the lights on and the cameras on people completely buy into the character 
And like that's the that's yeah. the highest kind of compliment I can pay anyone, and it kind of yeah says that maybe you don't have to do an MJF and be you know full on a dick in real life as well. But I, I do that's another way of just looking at it. I do like MJF as well. Uh, but did anyone else stand out for you over the weekend? I, I thought Tal Barnum had a good weekend. Uh, yeah. Again, I do think they're very heavy on heels, PCW, aren't they? But I think on that side of things, they've got a, they've got some some good characters, and I think Tal Barnum is, is up there with Shake Sham. Oh yeah, I think the way they used Tel Bannum as well. I mean, particularly in that main event that he had had, had with Joey Hayes, mm. thought that was just for what it was as a match that worked for a live crowd who were into Joey Hayes, and there were these kids, weren't there? There were because obviously we were, you know, slightly tired and emotional from the couple of heavy nights that we'd had before then. <laughs> so the the kids were taking up the bulk of of chanting, even away from Andy Ogden, which is saying something. <laughs> hey, the slush puppies and, helped. A lot of sugar oh, and the slush puppies. Yeah, um, yeah, needed the five pounds free refillable. Wow. Too much, <laughs> too much. Spent honestly, drank too much slush puppy that weekend. I digress. You're a forty-year-old man. I know exactly. I should know better than this. But Tal Bannum, the way that he was, uh, you know, the sort of chicken shit heel with who had planned to have the heel referee as well. Who I have to say, did a cracking job throughout the weekend of being like a horrible heel referee and when he got not allowed to referee the main event. I mean, this stuff was, you know, absolute wrestling 101 basic stuff to do, but it works. And the people were into it. There was a kid who I think was in tears when Joey Hayes won. Mm. And a lot of that's down to the way that, you know, Tal Bannum is just instinctively unlikable Mm. as soon as he comes out, even when he was wearing that weird kind of, sex fetish mask thing <laughs> yeah. over the over his head for the main event i was wasn't clued with that as well and in the ring they don't over he doesn't overexert himself he knows what his limitations are he knows what he can do and he's able to deliver on good character driven matches mm. that work with those crowds and i have to say as well we haven't mentioned him a bit Big T, the way they oh, use God. him. Is Judge Big T. Judge Big T. Oh, when he comes out with that gown, to, to I, don't, I don't actually know what his song is, but it's per, it's like a rap song that's just perfect for him. Is it not Kendrick Lamar song? Is it? Is that what it is? Yeah. See, I'm not I'm not up to it date is. with my uh, with my hip hop, but like he comes out with his gavel, with his cloak, and he just looks bigger than life, doesn't he? Like he's, I mean, he's yeah. obviously very very. Is clumsy too strong a word? He's like every other big guy in wrestling. You know, he's like the big guy. He's that... better than Carly. We all we were all agreed on that. Yeah, you said vicious of the world. That kind of guy who's just, you know, he's not going to be a super athlete. But as far as, like, you know, looking impressive when he comes out working on a family show like this, yeah, I was, uh, I really enjoyed, enjoyed Big T on the weekend. I also enjoyed Arcadian, who came out to uh, Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, what, what was the name? What Spaceman gimmick, which was weird. Yeah, from Planet Bolton. <laughs> Planet Bolton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, he used to team with uh, with Philip Michael. I can't remember his name when he was a he's a straight laced baby face, but no, much prefer him in this getup. Um, I mean, you touched on Philip Michael before. He's kind of the great hope in PCW. Like again, mm. you know, this was a weekend of 
TV taping slash the Road to Glory tournament and slash a lot of stuff with this buyout heel stable. And I did feel like PCW were lacking on that side, on the babyface side. I mean, you had Joey Hayes, mm-hmm. who maybe we should talk about in a minute in a bit more detail. But yeah, Philip Michaels kind of like the the great underdog, you know, homegrown PCW babyface. I've never loved him. I've always thought that there's potential there, but, uh, you know, I've been watching him for the last couple of years and not really seen, you know, maybe him meet the potential maybe some of us were hoping for early on but then again you know over this weekend uh, again, the, the pcw crowd buy into him uh they're doing this whole story with you know, part of the, the weekend was that uh having lost to, to tell barnaby now has to join the buyout stable i could see that making some some good tv going forwards uh what did you make of him and what did you make of the the baby face side of pcw uh, that uh, that you saw over this weekend it's definitely the weakest because it felt to me that some of the imports were doing the job of playing the baby faces, particularly True. sort of Tom Lawler and Franco Varga. So really then who did you have? You had Joey Hayes and then sort of by default, it's it's uh, Philip Michael. Thought he was fine. He seemed like he was carrying a, a bit of an injury as as, as well at the same time. Weekend, yeah, yeah, I know he had the whole... I didn't know if there was something actually that he had tweaked it anyway. It could have just worked me, worked worked perfectly. Mm. I was hungover enough yeah, to go along with work, it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was he was fine without being sort of spe- spectacular. I mean, I would imagine for him really what he kind of needs to do is to sort of get himself out there a bit and be able to sort of work in a few more places and work with a few more diverse opponents, see if there's anything else he can do, whether, uh, you know, a chance of... of maybe even training in a couple of different places might be the kind of stuff that works, but he's sort of branching himself out really because the level that he's at, it's hard to see how he's really going to progress that way, working the kind of matches that he's being asked to work. He looks dead young as well. Yeah. I I just think you're asking a lot of someone of his age. And like I said about with Shaker Sham, his level of life experience, if anything, because he looked like he was sort of, Fresh out of school, if anything. Yeah, he's a young lad. Would feel like putting all your baby face hopes into Curtis Chapman, <laughs> who, yeah. I, who I like, but he reminded me of him kind of look wise. Mm. Like he looks, a, you know, a little bit bland, very young. Mm. Uh, you could see him in a school uniform. <laughs> um, it's sort of an in between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just sounded a bit dodgy there. Oh. It's, like... <laughs> it's late, everyone. <laughs> you say that now I don't like school <laughs> uniforms man. I scrap them get rid of them <laughs> institutionalise kids them fucking uniforms bad stuff what, what did you make of Joey Hayes then I mean he was like he was the top baby face over the weekend so like I've I mean, I'm going to come from a place of bias, trained with Joey Hayes in the past know him reasonably well um, to say hello to etc he's a He's someone who, like, back in 2006, when I started watching Brit Res properly, you know, with GPW, he was the guy everyone wanted to be. He was the top guy by far. Um, he's kind of been left behind, though, by, like, this Brit Res boom. He doesn't get booked by, your, you know, your fashionable indies. He's not on the radar of NXT UK or ITV World of Sport. I think he's very good in a setting like this in PCW as, like, the... We said hometown babyface for for Philip Michaels, maybe not hometown babyface, but you know, just just bright eyed kind of maybe more of a veteran style on that character. Uh, I think he's very yeah. good in the role, 
But would he work elsewhere in other settings? I mean, I walked away with the... What Oasis song is it that he was using? It was a um, cover, wasn't it? Cover of I Am The Wall. That's right, yeah. I, I mean, I've had... Speaking of songs in your head all week, I've had that in my head all week. Uh, so maybe that says something as well. Uh, I don't know. Is it... I mean, have you guys seen much of him in the past? Is he someone you, you that's on your radar? Only really live, to be honest, and then little bits and pieces here and there, but nothing overly notable. Um... I think he's a solid hand. Um, he's mm. obviously good in that setting as well. I don't know how well he would work in some of the more popular work rate sort of promotions, mm. to be honest with you. Same goes for Danny Hope as well, he's who's terrible. his ex-tag partner. Uh, yeah. there's, there's no, I mean, I, again, I like Danny Hope. I'd shake his hand if I saw him, but I don't think there's a worse wrestler I see regularly than Danny Hope. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> yeah, like, I've no interest in... Hope and Hayes is clearly a better wrestler, but yeah, he's not someone that I, you know, would care to necessarily see on a progress show. But he's definitely got his role, and he, I think, he knows what his role is, and he knows how to get over in front of that sort of crowd as well. And he had some perfectly enjoyable matches over that weekend, if anything. Mm. I think what was really interesting about this show is it was really different um, in its approach mm. to most of the shows we go to. So most of the shows we go to are kind of work ratey shows with a spring mm. of comedy as well, or they're more tongue-in-cheek sort of shows at times. Mm. And this was completely different because it, it was a family-based show where the style was different, where it was easier to get over as a heel. The heels felt like they were actual heels. They didn't feel like they were tongue-in-cheek, boo-hiss sort of heels. And they would do sort of basic antics to get over with the crowd, if anything. And it was quite refreshing to be at a show where there wasn't this, like, great expectancy mm. on the quality of the match or the standard of the match if anything so i think a lot of these guys work perfectly in that environment would like to see someone like a tal bannum um or someone like a shake el sham in a slightly different environment just to test themselves a bit as well mm. see how they fare mm. um in one of the slightly bigger independent promotions yeah yeah it would make sense i mean but it'd be interesting to see them stretch their legs outside of what's a very safe environment i mean pcw is booked so well. That's another thing. Like over the week, like the storytelling mm-hmm. they do, like Greg Lambert who books it does a really good job of of telling stories. And I think a lot of those wrestlers fit into a storytelling mold. And it'd be interesting, yeah, to see them spread the wings and see how they do out, out outside. But I mean, as much as we're raving about them, the other thing I would say from this weekend that I kind of took was as soon as you know there was a Tom Lawler Jeff Cobb match. There was two of them over the weekend. We only oh. were there live for the second one. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they started wrestling, I was saying to you guys in a mini way, it was a bit like what happened with Pack and Osprey. I mean, we we rallied on the booking before, but when Pack and Osprey got in the ring, there was a clear level difference, wasn't there, in how good they were compared to everyone else on the show? And I think the same happened with with Tom Lawler and Jeff Cobb. It's a different kind of work, isn't it? Um, when you get a match between two, you know, two guys. Like I'm not even the biggest Jeff Cobb fan in the world, but there's definitely a different level of work, isn't there, when you see two wrestlers like that guy in there, as compared to you know the the more local uh, PCW wrestlers. Yeah, it was completely different. It was on a completely different level in terms of what they were doing mm. as well, because it was much more sort of like strong, sort of hold based. Mm. If anything, mm. the grappling was really solid. They still got over. The you could st- tell they were both amateur wrestlers, yeah. couldn't you? That's what they wanted to do, and. By God, that's the sort of stuff they should be doing. Yeah, the strikes were connecting. There was a kind of brutal style to it at points. The way that they were delivering various things, like the variation of suplexes, the way that they were landing, the way they do a little bit of no-selling every year, every now and then as well on the match. 
to sort of use that fine spirit aspect of the match. It was on a completely different level, worked in a completely different style mm. to everything else over that weekend. But it stood out more because of that as well mm. and seemed to get over because it did stand out mm. a little bit more. It was like they were they were opening, I don't know, like the closet doors to a slight a completely different approach to wrestling mm. to that CW crowd, if anything. Absolutely. I mean speaking It was Oh go on, JP. Sorry. No, 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 you first. No, I was gonna say, I mean, speaking a different level. I mean I don't know what other takes you've got on the show, JP, but we can't end the show without talking about Sugar Dunkerton. We're gonna talk about people on a different level on those shows. Oh yeah. I mean he's he's just brilliant and, and we talk about, we've mentioned some of the people here and, and how perhaps they maybe struggle to work in some of the more prominent independents and some of the more slightly work right place. Sugar Dunkerton is perfect as uh, an undercard baby face. He's absolutely brilliant at it. And there's something I know that was a particular highlight for you, but his interaction with Joe Hendry. Oh, so good. When that was, was phenomenal. I mean, we talk about sort of acting in wrestling. He gets the performative side of wrestling. He understands how that works. And he, know, again, knows what his limitations are, but is a wrestler who's really worked hard on making himself a better wrestler and already is incredibly likable. Mm. Like, it's very, it's very hard when, you, when he comes out, you instantly kind of gravitate to him. We met him for the first time last year and that chant and uh, just about how amazingly over he was. We also saw, me and Joe saw him in Rev Pro when he was, he was on the match after the Sam Adonis incident. And between him, Mambo and the anti-fun police, they kind of got the crowd back into a show, which is not an easy thing to do. And it's a bit of a death position for them to be able to do that. So I've got a lot of time for Sugar Dunkerton. Mm. And if you're trying to fill out a card and have variation on it, he's perfect. Yeah. He's absolutely perfect. I mean, like he really should be all over the country at this point. He'd fit in everywhere. He'd fit in every where. Where wouldn't he fit in? It's like the the like the points I was making was like I was I was looking at the cameramen. Like the cameramen are obviously disinterested yeah. TV people, and they don't really care about this wrestling stuff. But when he came out, genuinely, you'd see a smile on the face. You could tell how much a camera would love a wrestler like that. He just bleeds charisma, and yeah, that that the Joe Henry segment was as good. I mean, we were telling, you know, Big Stephen Flutter, the other uh, wrestling luminary mm. that uh, you go, you, we got a picture with over that weekend about oh, you know, yeah. how much we enjoyed that segment because it was as better than any, any talking segments I've seen on NXT UK. And I say that 100% genuinely. And I think a lot of it, it well, most of it, is that Sugar Dunkerton has just got a star aura. Um, just, yeah, he's, he's somebody who, who should be absolutely everywhere else. Well, he was talking like a human being and you felt like every word he was saying was something that character would genuinely say, which mm. was great. Whereas, I suppose, an NXT UK promo, uh, <laughs> the stuff Joe Coffey comes out with, I don't believe anyone speaks like that. Sid Scala. Uh, he delivers his lines all right. He sense, does, but the script is shocking. Oh, the script is beyond awful. What mm. WWE scripts are ever good? Yeah. Can we think of any? Because I really struggle to think of any, and it's probably one of the biggest things that turned me off watching that shite, to be honest with you. But yeah, Sugar Duncan, please, I'd love to see more of him. Mm. Uh, and he would fit in. So as they had progress, and he did a new comedy performer, he would absolutely fit in and have a place on a progress card, and he would get over in progress, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts on, on PCW, Blackpool, The Weekend, Stephen Flodder? Walkabout, Pot Worlds, Blackpool Nando's. I was, I was going to say 
someone overall the weekend and, and we got we got a chance to meet um as well but tom lawler um i think one of the big takeaways we mentioned about how good his match uh, with jeff cobb was this there is no reason why this guy shouldn't be being booked by lots of promotions over here now I'm probably a cheap plug for him i think he's over here in eight he's over here in april yes yeah, back at PCW, he's back at PCW. Yeah, if there's any chance of getting him for some dates, why get him aren't in. Rev Pro booking him? Like outright, like Andy. If, if anyone oh. from Rev Pro listens, why why are you not booking that man? He get over it immediately. Have they not seen his MLW yeah. work or something? It makes no sense. He would fit the style in Rev Pro as well. Him in the cockpit would be so good. I think he'd get over at York Hall as well. He was over with the kids in that place. Yeah, he brings something slightly different to the table as well. He's got a lot of natural charisma. Style-wise, I think, considering he's not been resting that long as well, he's pretty good already, and he's yeah. he's only going to get better. And some of the stuff he's done in MLW, whenever I've watched MLW, he's been the person that stood out more than anyone for me in MLW. I'm biased because I love his podcast, and I find him hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I like him in UFC. What a top bloke he was as well. Yeah, it's absolutely. He just sort of felt we were slightly incredulous when we said, there's no one else not working for anyone else. It's like, no, just PCW. And it's just thinking, here's a missed opportunity. Like one of the things we have bemoaned is about the fact that the US indie scene has been plundered within an inch of its life. And it's, you know, only now that new and different people are starting to come through. And here's a guy who can connect, but also partly because, you know, he's known to sort of hardcore wrestling fans as being a hardcore wrestling fan he would immediately have a degree of credibility with people who are going to come to these shows as well, as even if people are going up to him, oh, I've listened to you on Filthy Four Daily or something <laughs> along those. Not everyone is going to do that, but a certain percentage of the audience will, and that can help in terms of the rest of the audience deciding, well, he's known by these people. I wonder what the deal with him is. He'd be great for a Trent 7 205 challenge oh, as well. yeah. Like, I, I he's funny. He's yeah, genuinely he's hilarious. Fun. And there's a big Matt Riddle-shaped hole in British rest at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying he's at the level of Matt Riddle ability-wise, and Matt Riddle's a special, special talent. Mm. But he goes some way to plug in that, I think. And he's someone that I'd love to see over in more because he's only going to improve. And I think I can't see him getting signed by anyone anytime soon mm. either. Mm. I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna fight again. Um, he mentioned he might be doing some MMA stuff as well. There's always that on the kind yeah, of horizon. Yeah, there's always that on the side. But it didn't seem like it was gonna be like his PFL, yeah. wasn't it? It's, yeah, he, I don't think he. I think he has more fun wrestling. That's probably it. And he doesn't have to do the camps. It seems like it, doesn't it? So yeah, mm. we'll see where he goes. But hopefully, we'll be seeing Tom Lawler over a lot more because. I think that it will really work over and it'll really go over the crowds over here. Absolutely. And you know what? He's great at the merch table and that goes a long way in British wrestling. For sure. Just ask Chris Brooks. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else before we go? Um, I mean, you quickly mentioned Pop World and Walkabout are shocking, shocking places. <laughs> I, I texted really you, not. JP. I was coming to meet you in, in Blackpool's Pop World and you just texted me back, don't come, it's shite. And I met you outside. <laughs> yeah. A five-star yeah. review for uh, for for Blackpool Pot World. Uh, I could have told you that before you went to Pot True, World. True, but um, you know, like I I went clubbing. The, the only club I've been to in the last few years 
was last year in Liverpool at the Crazy House. <laughs> that was great. Where they did a wrestling soundtrack to it. Yeah. And I thought I had, I had to go there because I went there 10 years before with Benno and it was almost like really? coming full circle that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I felt like I had to go. But that was me coming out of clubbing retirement. Like, I'm only coming out of retirement if that Saudi mm. money's on offer. <laughs> I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm taking the Shawn Michaels paycheck. The Saudi money can get me out of club and retirement. Pop world, it's not worth it, mate. That's flea bag indie shit yeah. right there. <laughs> what about, you know, there's that Tony. <laughs> also, one other point in terms of, I'm sorry to go back to Tom Lord, but talking about music that's been stuck in my head, that his theme music from, um, it was like a specially produced track from Fight Club, just called This Is Your Life, just like sticking in my head, reminding me of Michael what it, Aspel. No, with a big red book. <laughs> Very different from that. <laughs> I remember before that the bloke who did it before that what was his name. Eamon Hunt. No, no. Eamon, I said Eamon Collins, but that's not him. I'm thinking he was an Irish golfer. Anyway, digress on that. <laughs> it was a. It's a crazy theme. It's a, really odd to hear it. Just thinking, who picked this from the Fight Club soundtrack? That I remember buying when I was a, you know. A younger man, and I believed a lot of that stuff. This, this, that makes me sound like I'm sort of all right <laughs> incel. I'll shut up now. This, this might be this episode's Belfast toilets, this JP. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm not... I'll let it go. Is it time to go to bed, everyone? It is. <laughs> right. I'll take us out of here, but yeah. Great weekend, lads. I really enjoyed it. I think we had like a... Oh. It, 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 I guess, here's the Karras. Yeah, here's the We'll do the same thing. we do there. it in two weeks. Oh, God. Yeah, no Tony Khan there, but there might be a Kevin Owens, so there's that. Well, Tony did... Tony, <laughs> one of the, as he walked away, he winked to me and he went, go to the Wolverhampton of Germany. And then that was it. He left at that point. That was one of his like parting points. So don't be surprised if Big Tone turns up, <laughs> even on enemy turf. Amazing. Uh, if anyone is going while you're there, uh, come and watch us in Germany in Oberhausen, Friday the 8th, uh, 3pm at the House Union in Oberhausen. I imagine we'll be first or second on. Uh, there's some bigger stars than us there. Botchamania's there. Uh, what, what, what are the other live shows, JP? There's a Brit Res Roundtable. Uh, the two Sarahs are doing something. Uh, and you also yeah. get 20 minutes of us. Alan's doing a oh, Alan Farrell. history of 16 carat. Mm. Yeah, Alan Farrell. Yeah. And we're going to get about 10% of the time, if less, that we do on these podcasts. <laughs> so you'll get. It'll, it'll be an intro, and that's it. It'll be like the 20 minutes of bullshit, and then that's it. But that's what we strive for. That's, that's the stuff Condent- we for. Manageable. There you go. Yeah, it's just good. It's going to be focused, obscure metaphors it'll, and references. We'll go back to, to soaps. Benno's FHM. Uh, phase possibly <laughs> that would be a good subject <laughs> or we can just have 20 minutes of JP spilling the beans and everything Tony Khan Tony Khan nah. told him so there's not making libelous claims no. there we go uh, yeah so we, we'll have some audio coming out of that uh, we're going to discuss uh, how exactly we release that we always aim to record while we're there and we never record while we're there but we'll see oh uh, god no. we'll see how we get on over the weekend but yeah Keep an eye out for that. That'll be our next episode on the Indie Corner. Uh, head to theindiecorner.com where there's a few things up there. Graps and Claps have got a review. Uh, Andy did a review of the PCW Weekender in Blackpool. Uh, but Jeff Ogden also did uh, this show at Prism um, on the... I think it was in Leeds, wasn't it, on the Friday. Uh, there's an OTT Homecoming 2 review from Lorna Marie. Uh, there's a Grimsby Graps from Chris Wilson looking at BWR. And there's a This Week in Puro from Luke Hickey. Check all that stuff out. Uh, check out mechashote.bigcartel.com. And yeah, 
keep an eye out for us in a couple of weeks where we'll be coming live from Germany. JP, hopefully we don't lose anything this year. God, I promise nothing. <laughs> Indeed. Right, we'll be back anyway in two weeks. Bye, everyone. And you open the door and you step inside. Bye. We're inside our hearts. Now imagine your pain is a white ball of healing light. That's right. Your pain, the pain itself, is a white ball of healing light. I don't think so.